are on air for Fan for Racing's Nat High Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off. We are reviewing the races at Atlanta Motor Speedway and Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, good, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. Okay. Uh, in the first half hour tonight, we are going to uh, review, the, we'll do some updates about what's happening in the uh, short track world in the first 15 minutes, and then we will review the ARCA uh, East race that took place at Five Flags Speedway and uh, talk about that race and, and give a few updates in the ARCA Menard series. Uh, at 9 o'clock, our guest comes on board, Tanner Reese with uh, Sunrise Ford Racing uh, will be joining us. And uh, he's racing the ARCA West Series this year. So he will be racing uh, here in, uh, at uh, Irwindale Speedway this coming weekend, I believe. And then also, uh, after we talk with Tanner, we will talk about uh, the Camping World Truck Series race that took place at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And at 9.30, our guest Jacob Gomes comes on board, and uh, we will talk to him about his win at All-American Speedway in the Southwest Touring Series, the SRL. So uh, he was supposed to be on last week, uh, and something came up, and so he wasn't able to be here. So hopefully he'll have some good news for us when he comes on at 9.30, Sal. Yes, yeah, he's uh, um, actually we were going to have him. He just came off a win, and uh, he was uh, uh, had a, uh, what he called a um, a false alarm. He's uh, His wife was getting ready to uh, have a baby, so. Um, mm. He tried to get hold of us from the hospital, but either way, we'll uh, we'll talk to him more about what's what what is actually going on with him and his um, racing at the uh, at the six thirty or eight thirty hour whatever six six thirty my time hour. Right, it's nine thirty Eastern. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll and then uh, actually, uh, we'll probably do ten minutes for each of the series, Sal, because we're going to start the tr- we're going to do the truck series. <laughs> We'll start the Xfinity Series review and then finish it up after we talk with Jacob Gomes. And then the last 10 minutes of tonight, we'll do our Cup Series review. So it's going to be really quick reviews here tonight uh, as we get into uh, each of these series. So if we get a little bit ahead, we might start it in that first half hour of the Truck Series, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, um, let's go ahead and get started with some of the short track racing news uh, that has taken place over the weekend. Um, I know uh, a lot of people were watching what was happening at um, Five Flags Speedway. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of the track all of a sudden. At Five Flags Speedway this weekend uh, with the... um, uh, with the Arkham Menards Series East get racing their second race. But there was some other racing uh, that was going on uh, this weekend, too. Uh, William Byron uh, has back-to-back victories at uh, Hickory Motor Speedway, so it was a big weekend for William Byron again uh, because he also won 
the Cup Series race. So he ran late models uh, at uh, the Hickory Homecoming and uh, won that race and then uh, jumped into his car on Sunday for the Cup Series and won that race. So uh, that was the Easter Bunny 150 So uh, at Hickory. So a pretty exciting weekend for William Byron. Yeah, it was a it was a really exciting weekend, you know, like you said, you know, um, you know, to win the, you know, to be traveling, you know, the way he has, you know, grab those wins, especially the win in the um in the Cup series. That was huge not only for him, but it was huge for um uh Hendrick Motorsports, you know, they're starting to flex their uh their power again, not only through Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, but now it's it filtered off into the other two drivers, which is Alex Bowman and um and uh William Byron. Yes. So, yeah, it's really amazing. I know this year Hendrick Motorsports has kind of loosened up on their guidelines for racing outside of the NASCAR Cup Series, and they're really encouraging the drivers to get that out there uh, to some of these short track teams and to race. And uh, it's pretty exciting to see what's happening for for, uh, some of those drivers as they get out to the track. Uh, Your local short track, and this one was Hickory, uh, so a lot of the fans get to see him uh, race locally. Yes, and actually Chase Elliott also made a stop at a at a uh, Sonoya, Georgia, which is the home of Bubba Pollard. His parents own that track, and uh, Chase Elliott made a stop there on Saturday night and uh, raced raced one of uh, Bubba Pollard's um, cars over there. So that was neat for you know Chase Elliott to do that too. Um, you know, and it, you know, it's, it, I'm glad that Rick's given them that opportunity because you know what, it gives them the seat time that they need. Plus, you know, it's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different racing and with these new cars, they don't know what they're up against. So all any, any kind of seat time they get behind the wheel of any car, you know, is always beneficial, you know, for, you know, for these drivers. That is so true. Uh, so a lot of these drivers are looking to get some seat time uh, at some of the local tracks. There was also an announcement this weekend that Berlin Raceway out in Michigan is uh, going to be uh, streaming. All of their races are going to be streamed on Flow Sport Racing uh, for, the re- for the season. So if you're a fan of Berlin Raceway, uh, you can watch the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series race out there all season long. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I, I thought that was a really cool announcement. Yes, you know what? And actually, the, the Southwest, uh, well, now it's called, they have what they call the National Tour. They're also making a stop at Berlin uh, later on later on in the year. And actually, that's that's one of Derek Stallings' right. um that's going to be one of the one of the races Derek Thorne's going to hit, and that's supposed to be. It's loading right now. It's loading right now. Berlin. It's going to be June the eighth and August the tenth. They're having they're having two races this year. The Feral National. So um, I I know Derek will be at the June the eighth one. I'm not I'm not too sure about the August tenth one, but he will be there for the one in June. So you know all you Berlin race fans want to see Derek Thorne. You know, you know, there's your chance, you know, to go out and watch, uh, you know, one of our West Coast um, superstars, you know, as he's, you know, as he's venturing out more, more, 
uh, East races this year than what he has in the past. That's true. And uh, South, uh, the national, the next national event, you just mentioned at Berlin Raceway on June the 8th and then August the 1st. Uh, but I wanted to see All-American. Kern County, the next race for the Spears Southwest Touring Series is Saturday, April the 2nd, out at Kern County Raceway out in your neck of the woods. So. Yes, and, and actually that's the winter showdown that um, we've had uh, Bubba Pollard win, it, win the first two. Derek Thorns won two. And actually, Ty Majeski also has a win there, and Kyle Busch has a win there at the All-Star Showdown. So between the six, I think this is the seventh annual winner showdown. And uh, But, yeah, mm-hmm. we've had Bubba Pollard win there. We've had Ty Majeski. Derek Thorns won twice, and then Kyle Busch uh, won uh, a few years a few years back, four about four years back, I think, is when Kyle Bush got his his win at the at the uh, Winter Showdown. Do they have the uh, entry list yet for that race, Sal? No, they haven't. You know, they they have they have they have a preliminary, but um, you know, it, of course, you know, it, it's going to include you know all of all of our regular drivers. You know, then um, you know, I I'm thinking now with um, I haven't talked to Brian, but. I'm thinking now that a lot of the drivers know a lot of super name model drivers know that Derek Thorne is participating in this in the in the um, you know in the SRL Southwest Tour. We'll probably start picking up a lot more drivers. You know, that it kind of gives that they feel you know they have more of a chance you know to win. You know, especially when you have a driver that's dominated this series mm-hmm. you know for so long. I mean, I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, last year he won nine races. The year before that, he he won all but one race, you know, and he just really, you know, became the king of the king of the SRL series, you know, and just, um, you know, all the stats are all, you know, they're all, he's he's leading all the stats, but um, you know, right. it's uh, you know, it, it's you know, it, it it's it's neat to see how much the series has, you know, has grown, you know, and the money, you know, that that that's involved with it, you know, and also you know the fact you know, that you know they are going to um you know, back east to do some racing. Yes, indeed. So, um, anyway, there's quite a bit going on there in the SRL uh, series. And uh, with that winter showdown, that is going to be a huge event. Yeah, we remember, we're the very first one, remember, Sal, when we were promoting that <clears throat> radio. Yes, I remember that. So, and uh, yeah. actually, that was the one. That was the one that Bubba Pollard, Bubba Pollard got that the very first uh, the inaugural winter showdown, and from there yeah. it's just grown and grown and grown, you know, into into yeah, one of the marquee um, super late model events, you know, in the country. I would say it's on the same level with um, uh, the win- the uh, snowflake der- the snowball derby at this point. It's it's kind of close, you know. I, I would I would agree, but I would think that the All Star Showdown that that uh, that Irondale brought back, that the SRL and Irondale brought back, I think that would be more of a because we get a, we get a higher car count, and the money. There's a lot more money involved there, but uh, but yeah, like you said, for the West Coast, yeah, that you know that would that is one of our premier Super Late Model races. Okay. Now South Boston Speedways, their National Weekly Series had their opening day. Uh, Lane Riggs swept the twin 65 features at Virginia's South Boston Speedway on opening day 
for the advanced auto parts series out there. So that was a big weekend uh, for Lane Riggs. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it is, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, you know, you, now you mentioned South Boston, you know, and, you know, as the weeks go on, you know, we'll, you know, we'll start looking, you know, at, you know, highlighting some of the other tracks and, and maybe even one of these weeks, we'll see about getting Matt Weaver on who covers all the short track, oh, yeah. uh, all the short track racing for, um, for it's called uh, America's, gosh, I think it's America's Racing or America's something. But anyways, Amer- it's a spinoff from Racing the, America. Racing America, there you go. It's a spinoff from um, from uh, Speed 51 and when when he had his own website. So I, we'll get him on, and, and he's real, Matt is really knowledgeable when it comes to, you know, the short tracks and, you know, what's going on in the short track world and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be uh, really interesting, you know, you know, to get them on, you know, and, and talk with them about it. Okay. Another speedway that I see that was added uh, to the Flow Racing broadcast schedule is uh, Larry King Law's Langley Speedway in Hampton, Virginia, is also been added now to Flow Racing's broadcast schedule. That's kind of a fun one for me because I have relatives that are out in that area that have raced at Langley. So uh, it's kind of cool uh, to see that they're going to be on Flow Racing now as well. That's you know, you're, and it's funny, Sharon. Huh? Yeah, it's funny. You know, you're mentioning all these speedways, and these are all, I mean, for all the old um, – for all the old, old school racers, these are the these are the tracks that they, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, you know, race at and you know, kind of grew up at, you know, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, so it's going to be, um, yeah, you know, and you know, you know, um, flow racing, you know, taking, you know, you know, starting to have a lot of racing. That's why that when we had Tommy Mason on, you know, I'd ask Tommy, I go, so when 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 do you think? Uh, you know, when do you think, um, you know, the flow racing is going to make, you know, make them an offer, you know, take over low budget TV, which would take over, you know, a lot of our short, which would take over our Irondale racing mm-hmm. over here. Then, you know, some of the stuff, you know, they do a current, of course, plus they do the, right. plus they have the Southwest tour, you know, under their belt too. So, um, you know, it, it's good. The flow racing is offering all this because it gives, you know, the short track fan, you know, a chance to see, you know, to see some good racing since there's, um, they already have one for the, uh, for all the dirt tracks. So if you want to see dirt track racing, mm-hmm. there's another, uh, you know, there's another, um, uh, station it's type big, thing, you know, that shows all that. It's a big bang for the buck. That's for sure. Um, okay. Now I also want to now get into the Arkham and Art Series East because they had their second race this weekend, uh, at, Five Flight Speedway, and Sammy Smith comes home with another victory. He won at the season opener at New Smyrna Speedway in February and won the second race here at Five Flight Speedway. So Sammy Smith is uh, on on the march toward perhaps another championship, Sal. Oh, yes, he is. You know, plus he's racing in the – He's been racing in the in the you know Campy and not Campy World, but um, yeah, the Campy World Truck Series too. You know, so yes. he's, you know he's got his hands he's got his hands full this season. You know, with uh, you know, as far as all his um, you know, as far as um, you know, everything that he's racing, a uh, really good racer, you know, really good kid, 
and uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to see big things from him, you know, as the as the years progress. That's true. Now, um, his main competition, Taylor Gray, uh, actually had a penalty for uh, jumping the restart uh, at the end of the race, and so that took him out of contention. But he was able to race back to, I think it was a third place finish. Uh, the pole sitter, Leland Honeyman, came in in second place. So uh, it was a disappointment, I'm sure, for Taylor Gray. He's just 17 years old. Uh, but Sammy Smith, uh, how exciting for him to have two wins on the schedule. And as you can imagine, he is at the uh, top of the point standings as well. Yes. Oh, I'm sure it was an exciting win, especially at a at a, at a at a track, you know, with five flags, because I think this is the second or third year that uh, this is second year, because I think last year was was the inaugural. Uh, mm-hmm. Excuse me, was the inaugural race at um was the inaugural Arkham Art Series race at uh at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola. So yeah, to get a win there, it's always big, no matter which series it is, you know, because of the you know history of the track, you know, everybody wants to, you know, they want to notch their you know, grab a wind out there. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Good experience in preparation for that snowball derby, too. Uh, Leland Honeyman is actually one of the rookies this season. He drives the number uh, 02 LH Waterfront Construction. He's Secker in Maynard. Uh, and he was 2.951 seconds behind Sammy Smith at the start finish line. Taylor Gray. Uh, as I mentioned, came in third. Uh, Daniel Escato, another rookie, uh, came home with a fourth-place finish. And in fifth place was Willie Mullins. That was a great finish for uh, the number 11 of Willie Mullins. He's one of the standard yes, bearers of the ARCA series. Arcus. Yes, he is. Yeah, they, they've been around the ARCA series for a long time, you know, and uh, – you know, they're not one of the, you know, one of the high-dollar teams per se. You know, they're one of, one of the low-budget teams, you know, but they put their time in. You know, everything they do is in-house. You know, it's all, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a family-run team. And, um, you know, it's neat to see, you know, Willie, you know, get that, you know, get that top five finish. It was a well, well-earned and well-deserved um, finish by, uh, by the Mullins family. That's true. Uh, it should be noted that Sammy Smith has just 10 career starts. Uh, and uh, it's his fifth victory in just those 10 starts. He's, he's batting 50-50 as far as wins, uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Leland Honeyman became the 132nd driver in series history to earn a pole when he qualified for the general tire pole award, and he did it with a track record, uh, Sal, of 17.222 seconds or 104.517 miles per hour. He also led the first 27 laps and run among the top five all night long, crossing the line in second place at the finish, his career best result in just two career starts. Wow. That's a, yeah, to break the the track record. Well, you got to remember, too, this is the Arkham Menard, so they they had the record last year, so the record held up for a, for a whole year, you know, which but still, <laughs> yeah. you know, to still go out there, you know, you know, break, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, when you think about it, you know, you think about, well, you know, well, yeah, he broke the record, you know, you think, well, how old was the record? 
Uh, let me see. It was uh, actually it was one, one year. year old. <laughs> but yep. still, a record's a record. Who knows that that record could hold for ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. That's true. Uh, it should be also noted Willie Mullins' top five finish was the first of his career on a short track within the Arkham and Art Series platform. Uh, Mullins brought out the first caution of the night, so he was able to regain his composure and scored his best career series finish and his first finish on the lead lap. It's his third straight top ten series finish dating back to the last season at East Furnace Speedway. So that's pretty cool for uh, Willie Mullins. Yeah, it is. It was really, like I said, it was really a good finish for him. And, um, you know, the team works hard, you know, and they, um, you know, they're they're out there. Okay. Rookies, Daniel Escato, uh, Brandon Barney, Ashton Higgins, and Jake Finch all recorded top 10 finishes in their series debut at Barclay Speedway, so that's impressive. Escato drove the Josh Williams owns number 60 Chevrolet, the fourth place finish, guided in part by former ARCA Series driver turned driver coach. Remember Michael Lira? <laughs> that's what he's doing yeah. now. Barney drove okay. the Jeff McClurg. Yeah, Barney drove the Jeff McClurg's uh, number 44 Ford into the top five before a late race spin relegated him to a six. And Higgins and Finch both ran in the top five earlier in the night before a late race troubles knocked them out of the hunt with Higgins in seventh and Finch in eighth. So, uh, yeah, Michael Lira used to come on the show quite a bit, so it's really cool. He was an Arkham Menard Series driver for a while, and now he's uh, doing driver coaching. So uh, it reminds me of uh, Austin Terrio, which, by the way, I read that Austin Terrio, remember him, uh, he's running for state representative in uh, Maine. Wow. Yeah, uh, isn't that amazing? Boy. Yeah, it is. When you think about it, I mean, from race car driver to to politician. Yes, exactly. Benny, Benny Chastain crashed hard in the general tire pole qualifying doing terminal damage to his number 10 Andy Hillenberg car. Chastain, who was uninjured in the crash, withdrew from the event. Uh, Wayne Peterson withdrew his number zero car from the lineup and renumbered it as the number 10 car, with Nate Moeller taking the green to keep Hillenberg up in the uh, uh, Arca East owner point standing. So a little juggling taking place there. Uh, Smith also leads Gray in the uh, standings by 12 points. Honeyman is third. It was just one point behind Gray. Mullins and ninth place finisher Donald Figge, uh round out the top five. Fifteen drivers scored a top ten finish in the first two races this year. Smith, Gray, Honeyman, Mullins, Figge are the only drivers to score a top ten in both races so far. And 11 drivers set or matched their career best finish at Five Live Speedway. The winner, Sammy Smith, second place, Leland Honeyman, uh, fourth place, Daniel Estado, fifth place, Willie Mullins, sixth place, Brandon Barney, seventh place, Ashton Higgins, and eighth place, Jake Finch, tenth place, Christian Rose. We had him on the show last Thursday. 
13th place, Tim Monroe, 14th place, Brad Smith, and 15th place, Nate Moeller. There were a season-high nine cautions in the Pensacola 200, but the race's 39 caution laps were still 13 fewer behind the pace card than the season opener at New Smyrna. So uh, those are some interesting stats uh, from this uh, Arkham Art Series East race set by Flags. Yeah, they are some crazy, interesting stats when you when you when you go back and look at them, and you know, um, you know, especially with the with the you know with all the caution laps, you know, and, and uh, you know, yeah, all, everything were, everything that went on behind. That's true, and this race is going to uh, be aired on uh, USA. Uh, give me a second, and I'll pull that up here. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. You can find that race on USA, usually about a week later. Um, hold on. A replay of Saturday's Pensacola 200 at Five Lakes will be broadcast on USA Network on Monday, March the 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern. So if you're at work during that time, you probably want to set your DVR to catch that race. Uh, the next race for the ARCA East is going to be Friday, April the 29th, at Dover Motor Speedway. The Dover 125 will be broadcast on Flow Racing starting at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Sal, did you want to cover the uh, points report for... Yeah. The Arca East. Yeah. Yeah, the points are um uh after the first two races is Sammy Smith is in first, Taylor Gray second, Leland Honeyman uh in third, Willie Mullins is in fourth, and Donald uh how do you Stinky. pronounce his last name? Stinky. Okay. Stinky. Dinky is in fifth. And then from there, then we go down to Stephanie Moore, sixth, Christian Rose in seventh, Steve Austin in eighth, Brad Smith in ninth, and Max Gutierrez is in tenth place. Um, it looks like okay. we have a total of, so far, nine drivers out of 22 drivers so far. Yeah, that have raced the, the start off the season with the, with the, with the full racing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's pretty tight when you look at it. There's just one point between second and third, one point between fourth and fifth. And then uh, when you get to sixth and seventh, Stephanie Moyer and Christian Rose are actually tied at 30 points. Um, and then two points behind them is Steve Austin. Uh, so it's... A, it's pretty tight when you go down the line there with how close this is. But then it's only two races, too. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how long uh, yeah. Sammy Smith can hold that average finish of 1.0. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm, I'm sure pretty soon, you know, we'll start seeing a shakeup in the, um, you know, we'll start seeing a shakeup in the points, you know, and, and uh, you know, depending, you know, on, on how the, you know, all the drivers be the home below him, including himself finished, you know, they still, you know, they still have a, you know, they still have a, uh, you know, pretty, a pretty beefy schedule coming up. So, um, yes. 
you know, so, I mean, you know, they're hitting a lot of, uh, you know, hitting a lot of good tracks, a lot of, you know, well, they got Dover coming up. They got Nashville Fairgrounds, which is where they hold the the uh, All-American 400. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Iowa Speedway, one of your favorite tracks. Milwaukee yep. Mile, they finish out their season in Bristol again. So, um, actually, they hit Bristol. Yeah, Bristol once and Dover once. So, um be some good racing well, out at that, these tracks coming up. The next ARCA race. Uh, for the Arkham and Art Series West is coming up on March the 26th at Irwindale Speedway. The Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, that's going to be on Flow Sport Racing as well. And uh, fans can also listen to the radio at arcaracing.com and, and Race Central there. But uh, our next guest, I, I'm pretty sure is going to be at that event, and uh, I'm going to bring him into the queue right now. Let me find it here. Okay, so that we can talk to him. It's uh, uh, Tanner Wright. How are you, Tanner, and thank you for being here. Hello, you got me? I got you. <laughs> All right, cool. Did I'm I pronounce good. How about you? Did I pronounce your name correctly? What is the correct pronunciation of your word, of your last Tanner Wright. Right. Tanner Wright. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. And you signed with uh, Sunrise Ford Racing this year. Uh, and you also, you know, uh, Jacob Gomes is going to be on a little bit later from the SRL Southwest Tour. You've also raced in that series. Yeah. Um, correct? Super, yeah, correct. Uh, super cool deal signing that uh, ARCA contract. And, yeah, I ran a couple uh, super late model SRL races uh, last year and uh, kind of been straying away from that just a little bit. But we still have the cars and the opportunities to race them sometimes. So, yeah. Okay. So so what, what attracted you to the ARCA Menards uh, West Series? Uh, it's just a, a lot of publicity, and it's and it's uh, a, a good learning car for the next series uh, in the way of uh, trucks and Xfinity and uh, the Cup Series. So it's just a, a good stepping stone, and we see a lot of drivers go through the uh, Arc Menards West and the Arc Menards uh, National Series, and uh, the opportunity arose, and it's a really good car, really good team, so we figured we'd uh, give it a shot and uh, – try our best because we think we have a really good running. We run most of the tracks that they run in their uh, series. We do the Roseville and Kern and Irwindale and Vegas. So I run a lot of the same tracks and learn a lot of experiences and drivers and the cars. And it's just a whole, it's a whole learning experience that I think is uh, helping us greatly. Okay. I think, I think you're right on the mark there. Now are you racing the, uh, West on a full-time basis this year. Do you have any aspirations to race in any of the Arkham and Arts races or the um, Arca East? Um, I would love to. Uh, just kind of this uh, the, the team that we have uh, signed with right now, we uh, just do West Coast races, but uh, if the opportunity ever arose to do an East Coast race or uh, uh, the Tour races in the Arkham and Arts series, I'd absolutely love the opportunity. Yes, uh, just for this season, we're going to be doing the West, but uh, in the future, I would love to do the National or E-Series. 
Well, you kind of had a little bit of a taste for it when you raced out at Phoenix last uh, weekend. Uh, tell yeah. me about that experience, because 39 cars on a one-mile track, uh, that had to be an experience. So that was a great, uh, especially learning experience with uh, one-mile tracks. So the biggest track I drove on was Kern, uh, Kern County Speedway. So it's about double the size uh, of the track. So it was a great learning experience uh, getting used to the corner speeds and, and the way you drive the cars and let off the throttle uh, into the corners and, and carry the speed. Uh, I I had a great time, especially, and I think we did a really great job uh, for first time with only an hour of practice, especially with the fact that there's two different classes of cars there. There's the, there's the Arc Menards series and Arc Menards West. So we get mm-hmm. different motor packages, and they are restricted at uh, that track, but they're fuel-injected compared to carbureted motors. So that kind of like a disadvantage in the, the telemetry and the wind tunnel testing. But for West Coast team, my teammate obviously finishing fifth and uh, – getting a little rustled up, but running around 10th with a shot for ninth and 8th. Uh, we did very well, in our opinion, for what we had, the, the class of cars we were running with. So it was a great experience all around. Yeah, it sounds like it. And then you're, you, are you going to be racing at Irwindale? Yes, this weekend, Saturday. Oh, okay. And uh, you've raced at Irwindale before, so that's going to be more old hat for you, isn't it? Yeah, I ran the uh, the weekly series there, and actually I won the uh, California Rookie of the Year there, and uh, ran one 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 of the races and got some podiums and really liked the track. Spent some time there. I've also done some uh, ARCA testing there, and we've had great speed and and great great cornering abilities. All all uh, all the tests we've over, uh, done there, and I I know the track pretty well, so I'm pretty excited about that. I think we should have a good run there. Well, what are your goals going into Atlanta next weekend? Oh, Atlanta. I meant uh, Irwindale. <laughs> Irwindale, yeah. Um, well, I believe that we have a race-winning car and a race-winning driver and the, the, the just the, the skills and the talent and the knowledge to uh, have a really good weekend. You know, obviously points is, is what comes first, but uh, I believe we could have a really good chase for the victory there. All right. That sounds like a, a good goal. Okay, Sal Segal is with us tonight, and I know he's biting at the bit with some questions for you as well, Tanner. So we're going to pass the microphone over. Sounds hey, good. what's Thank up, you. Tanner? How are you doing? How's it going, Sal? Doing good. Good, good. Hey, it's finally we finally got a chance to get you on the on the show. I've been I've been trying yeah. to get you on since last year. You know what? You know we've had some. You know with all the different changes with COVID and and then uh, some of the schedule changes that me and Sharon went through, but. I'm glad we were finally able to get you on and, you know, talk a little bit more about, you know, how you got started, you know, why the number 43? And, of course, one of the biggest questions is how did you get your nickname? Okay. So, <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me on the show. I love to be here. Uh, I love the uh, radio podcasts and radio shows and all that stuff. It's one of my favorite things to do, actually. Um, well, thanks for the invitation. Um, so, I started racing – and uh, quarter midgets when I was uh, four and a half, five, doing the rookie series in uh, Orange Show Speedway, the little uh, track next to the late model track they have there. Uh, ran there for a long time, and it was kind of just a hobby when it when it first was an idea. I just told my dad I wanted to race, and 
Um, he's like, okay, we'll we'll do this on the weekends, and the other weekends we'll go out in the boat and go to the sand dunes, and kind of got we're like, all right, we'll pick this car up. Well, let's get a second car, and let's get let's get more speed. And oh, we want to beat them. Oh, let's get oh, let's learn this. So we picked it up. Oh, my brother's old enough. Let's get him racing. Oh, there's a <laughs> traveling. Oh, they race other tracks. So we started racing other tracks, and uh, actually one of the uh, the guys who got us traveling and in, in, in more competitive tracks and because uh, we ran them all the way from california to new york the quarter midget series and we ran the national usac series and won the championship in 2014 national championship in junior animal was uh ankrum's uh rick ankrum convinced us to to go run a race and i think it was north carolina or new york it was new york and you know rick ankrum father of tyler ankrum in the truck series right now we were all good, good friends at Orange Show, and uh, he kind of got us into traveling and doing more of the racing. So we started getting more into it, more into it, and more competitive, more competitive, more cars, bigger trailer, bigger bigger rig, more more cars, and brother getting competitive. And so we did that till 2015, 2016. And along the way, there was a an announcer, I forget his last name, but we called him Butch. He uh, he had gave nicknames to every every kid that raced in the series. Every kid had a nickname, and he was the, <laughs> my favorite announcer. And uh, we uh, all got nicknames, and he had come up with Rolling the Dice, Can of Rife. And I was like, that's got to catch a ring to it. I'll keep it. So that's kind of <laughs> kind of stuck with the 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 racing, the racing, and the my name. And a guy like I use it on basically everything, so I love it. Um, and then I picked the number 43 because, you know, growing up with YouTube and phones and stuff, we always, there was the videos of Ken Block and stuff. So I was like, oh man, this guy's crazy. I like it. 43, that's a good number. I'll pick that. And then it was, uh, you know, more than NASCAR, more knowledge and, you know, uh, Richard Petty and, and the, the blue and the orange cars. And like, man, I like those cars. Those cars look really cool. I'm, I like this number. So I was just like, Hey, I want to be the 43. And it kind of was like, all right, temporary thing, and then it kind of stuck. So, yeah, yeah that's and pretty then, awesome. Yeah, and uh, my dad did something that he's can't believe he did today. Was when I was ten years old, we started running the uh, junior late model series out of Madera Speedway, straight out of quarter midgets. I never did anything. I went from a quarter midget race in Indianapolis to uh, running a junior late model at a Madeira. So that was a uh, a crazy experience. I think that's probably the most drastic change you can make. You know, it, and you know, um, and actually watching your, you know, your progress, you know, all the way from junior late models, you know, all the way up, you know, to the, you know, into the pro late, you know, and then now, you know, the Arca Arca West. Um, what are some of your uh, your expectations, you know, with this season, you know, especially this being your rookie season? I know every rookie has, you know you know, different expectations, you know, is, is what they want to get out of this season, especially, you know, being away from, you know, your, you know, from the pro late. Yeah. Um, well, my aspirations really this year were uh, get as many points as we can. And, you know, my teammates uh, got a really good start on the, uh, the entire field for the West series. And uh, I'm just trying to follow along in footsteps, do the best I can in every race and rookie, maybe go for rookie of the year. And this is the, cards play in our favor maybe in the championship but you know shoot for the stars um do the best we can pick up a couple wins uh definitely 
definitely want to go for the rookie of the year this year and uh and uh maybe even the championship so you know just really just do the best we can and uh prove prove uh that i can do exceptionally well in in a, a new car so what was it like to to finally you know get away from the half mile track you know and and you know race out there at phoenix you know and you know everybody i i know a lot of the drivers you know that's of course you know that's one of the things they want to do you know is, is get it you know to the bigger tracks you know which will probably would actually that that's the biggest track you'll race at this year besides you know the road course at um sonoma you know just coming up you know later on in the year yeah um it was definitely a crazy experience as the uh the speeds we were getting were drastically higher and it's not really the speeds it's how fast the corners come up and and uh how much the car you have to believe in the car to turn and to to be able to lay the throttle down it's a it's a new experience because uh just having trust in the car and the in the fact that everything's been built correctly and trust in the team that they've built a, a fast proper race car to go on the track and to you know just to learn and figure out the line how to send it in further down the corner and get on the gas when you feel like you shouldn't be getting on the gas. It was definitely a cool experience because my uh, spotter, David Cooley, was like, hey, you got to pick up the throttle a little earlier. So I would go in the corner and I'd pick up the throttle about a car length earlier. And he was like, hey, you still got to pick up the throttle earlier. And I said, I am scared to death. I am picking up the throttle earlier than I ever think I could. And he's like, yeah, you need to go about 20 car lengths more. So that was, <laughs> that was definitely an experience. Well, we figured out picking it up and uh, getting some good lap times and qualifying lap got a little messed up. But uh, besides that, had a really fast car in the race and really competitive and had a really good shot for a good top eight. So, so how did you get David Cooley to be your spotter? For for the for the listeners that don't know, David Cooley is Derek Thorne's spotter. He's been a spotter for a long time. He spotted for Jeremy Doss during his, I think, during his championship uh, season in the SRL also. But, um, you know, because I, I, you know, from the knowledge I have, you know, Bob, you know, Brucati, I, I know he kind of lets you guys, you know, as far as your team, you know, kind of build your own team with the accession of the crew chiefs. You know, he always wants Jeff Schrader and Bill Sedwick, you know, to run the two teams. Um, it's. I think it was just kind of a – a group, a coincidental thing. It's just they they knew uh, Bob and Jeff and uh, Bill knew knew David, and it was just a kind of lucky the draw thing. And it was just, hey, we have this spotter. You would you like to try him out at Phoenix? And you know, we gave him a, gave him a run, and he's a really good spotter. I I love having him as a spotter. He did a really great job and kept me in from. And he's really fast on the draw. Whenever there's a car spinning out or a yellow or what to do especially with a rookie, as I've never done anything like that. And I'll tell you this, this, the NASCAR series is a lot more wild. The yellow flags are faster. The Everything moves a lot faster than a SRL series. So my last question is, your boy, Ken Roxon, <laughs> he retired. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, I think that's just a, a coincidental thing. It's just uh, – uh, my brother's really into dirt bikes and uh, I don't really watch Supercross all that much. I just, I just like to take the person he doesn't like. So, um, you know, and it's just, uh, 
it is cool to watch Supercross, but uh, I'm not that up to date with it. I know I, we talked about it before, but uh, I don't I don't really watch it that much. But I, I did hear that he did retire. Anyways, uh, Tanner, I just want to say you know good luck. I'll see you at Irondale this weekend. Um, and with that, you know I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon. I don't shout out she has to close the interview out. All right, Julio, thank you. It was fun having you on the show. I uh, loved it. Uh, all the questions and all the experiences. And I hope to see you at Irwindale. Okay. Well, Tanner, we were really happy to have you here. I feel like we just touched the, the surface here and getting to know you. Uh, but uh, we hope you'll come back on the show with us somewhere down the road this season and uh, keep us up to date with what's going on for you. <clears throat> Before you go, uh, uh are there any team members, other team members? I know we talked about David Crowley. Uh, are there any other team members you want to shout out to? And then also your social media handles so fans know how they can follow you. We, we kind of already talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, again, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I really loved it. And uh, really just uh, the entire uh, Sunrise Ford Racing team, they do such a good job. But Jeff Schrader... Bill Sedgwick, Bob Brancotti, David Cooley, they all help so much. And, and all the crew guys that work on the cars day-to-day, working on the transmissions and the rear ends and the gears, and even Jake Drew because he, he lives over there, so he works on the cars uh, uh, on the weekdays. So all all the Sunrise guys are doing such a good job helping us get out there, and I'm having a blast doing it, and they're they're really good. Jo- they do really good jobs. And uh, I'm on Facebook under Tanner Rife, T-A-N. T-A-N-N-E-R, capital R-E-I-F. And uh, Instagram, same thing, Tanner underscore Rice. And, uh, yeah, great being on the show. Thank you so much. Okay. And uh, we'll we'll stay in touch with you and, uh, like I said, hopefully have you back on. And good luck to you out of Irwindale this this weekend. For sure. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to be back on the show. It was a great experience, and uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> hopefully I can see uh, Sal out there. Sal. It'll be cool. Get some good pictures. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, see up, I'll see you out there on Saturday. For sure. Thank you, Sal. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having okay. me. All right. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks, Tanner. Thank you. All right. That is Tanner Rice with uh, Sunrise Ford Racing racing the full season in the Arkham and Art Series West. And uh, that was a lot of fun getting to know him a little bit, so. Yeah, it is. You know, Sharon, there's a lot more to this family that, that um, we didn't even get to touch on. He has a brother that they race. They both race the pro late together. And, oh, my gosh, oh, Sharon, you got to see all the fun I have with them. You mentioned Tyler. With the, whole, with the whole family, yeah. And actually, we've had Matt Jackson on the show before. Remember, he had the Southwest. Um, Super late series, probably three, four, yeah. five years ago, and we have. And anyways, Matt works with the team, so um, his dad, his dad, their dad, Travis is. He's a really neat guy. Then, then their mom, Tori, she's the she does the tires for the team, oh, not, not for the Sunrise, but but for their pro late team. So um, I go down there, and oh man, this past ever since Tanner made the made the announcement that he was going to the West series. Um, I went down there. It was during the All Star Showdown, uh, and I and I kind of tease them a little bit, but we have a lot of fun. A great, great family to be around. A lot of fun. Oh my gosh, you just it, it, they're just 
awesome team. I mean, and these guys can, these boys can race. I mean, they're yep. not, they're not just somebody so, out there. They can race. Anyways, let's go on. Let's move on. Yeah, we've only got ten minutes for each of these series, I know. so we really got to get going. Okay, on the Camping World Truck Series, Corey Heim uh, came home as the winner of that race, uh, and that was pretty exciting. I think uh, his teammate Chandler uh, Smith wanted to uh, contest with him for that finish, but uh, John Hunter Nemechek was in between him, and John Hunter Nemechek uh, was the guy who kind of pushed him to that win. He's only 19 years old, driving the number 51 for JBL Toyota. Owner Kyle Busch and Kuchik Marty Lundley. It was his first victory in five truck series starts, his first victory in first top ten this year, and his first victory at uh, Atlanta. Ben Rhodes posted his sixth top ten finish in seven races at Atlanta in his second of the year. Ty Majeski in third posted his first top ten finish in two races at Atlanta. Heim is a rookie, so he was the highest finishing rookie in the series. Uh, the rest of that top ten, uh, let me go back here, uh, includes uh, Chandler Smith. Zane Smith finished in fifth. Then you had uh, Stuart Friesen, Ryan Priest, Tanner Gray, Derek Krauss, and Austin Wayne Self rounding out the top ten there. Quick time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a great finish. I mean, John Hunter Nemechek had to make a, he had to make a decision. Is it Corey or is it Chandler? He took Corey. You know what? <laughs> and, and when you go back and look at the race, I'm sorry, Chandler. You know what? You know, you, you, you got your win. You know what? Yeah. Spread the wealth a little bit. You know what? Um, John Hunter Nemechek is technically a veteran. He knew what he was doing. He knew who to push. He knew who was faster. And I don't think Chandler yep. had anything for Corey anyways. Corey was the class of the field. And, and um, John Hunter Nemechek knew it, and he went with the fastest driver. Sorry, you know yep. what? There's always next week. Next That's race. right. Okay, let's go ahead and cover the points report. Okay, and then the points. Wow. What a what a season we're having here with these with these with this truck series. Um so far we're um we still got Chandler Smith in first. Um Tanner Gray still uh still holding on to that second spot. And then uh, we got Ty Majeski in third, Stuart Friesen in fourth, and Ben Rhodes rounds out the top five. And then from there we go to, to Chris Anakis, sixth, Austin Way self in seventh, John Hunter John Hunter Nemechek in eighth, Zane Smith in ninth. And Matt Crafton round off the top ten. And I think is that what they take into the they take the top ten into the uh yeah, truck right? series, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's yeah, true. they only go ten, that's right. Yeah. And then the Xfinity goes twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um not not much of a shake shake up in the points yet, but as the as the weeks as the races can't say weeks because they don't race every week. But as the races come on, you know, we're going to start seeing, a, you know, big, um, you know, a lot of changes and, uh, you know, a lot of different, um, uh, you know, um, finishes. And it's, it's just, it's going to be an exciting, uh, I mean, it's exciting, another three exciting season. We've seen it. Yep. Three oh, races and three different race, winners. My gosh, I couldn't believe all the, all the, 
all the passing that was going on, two, three wide racing. It was awesome. It was a really great race. Amazing. It's amazing what they did out there at Atlanta Motor Speedway on a 1.5-mile track to make it race like a a speedway is just amazing, or like a super speedway is amazing. Um, Yeah. uh, It should be, let's see, I want to make sure we also noted some other things here. I'm kind of flipping between several pages here, so give me a second. Um, 52 of Stuart Friesen won the first stage. It was the number four of, uh, I think that's John Hunter Nemechek, won the second stage. No, Ty Majewski won. No, that's not right. Who's the number four? I thought that was. Uh... That's Nemechek. Yeah, John Hunter Nemechek, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, it's a number four. Okay, he won the second stage. Uh, So there were 77 caution flags for 40 laps and 18 lead changes among 10 drivers. And I went back and I looked. Oh, I went back and I looked at uh, the races there last year, and you know the margin of victory was so much bigger. (laughs) <laughs> than what it was this weekend for all three series. So the margin of victory here in the truck series was less than a second, point zero point one seven three seconds margin of victory. Uh, and uh, we haven't really seen that at Atlanta. Usually somebody kind of rides away with it, and that didn't happen this weekend. <laughs> there was a lot of jockeying uh, for that lead. Yes, there it was, you know, and um... – and it was neat to see Corey Heim win, win, you know, get the win. You know, he was uh, he was fast. You know, he 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 bit his time. You know, when he he stayed behind uh, behind Chandler Smith. You know, until you know until it was time to make that move. You know, and then like I said, you know what, um, you know that's where you know, you know any, anything can happen. And uh, um, it's it's kind of ironic because they're teammates. You know, with, with Kyle Busch, but when I seen him at the at the Snowball Derby, they were. They were both racing Corey Heim. Well, of course, Chandler Smith won it, but they both raced for um, for different teams at the uh, at the Snowball Derby. That's true. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. We'll get it started, and then we'll we'll move on to finish it after we finish our next interview. Ty Gibbs is the race winner again, 19 years of age. He drove the number 54 Sports Clip Haircuts Toyota. For Coy Gibbs, or Joe Gibbs Racing with crew chief Chris Dale, he won, uh, it was his sixth victory in 23 Xfinity Series starts, his second victory in third top ten finish this year, and the first victory in first top ten finish in one race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, this kid is just amazing. Austin Hill was second. He posted his first top ten finish in one race at Atlanta. And it is his second top ten finish of this year. Almondinger in third posted his third top ten finish in four races at Atlanta. Austin Hill in second was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And then I want to also give you the rest of the lineup here. Um, Riley Earp had a fourth-place finish, though, uh, followed by Landon Castle, Mason, Mason Macy, Brandon Jones in seventh, Kyle Weatherman, Sheldon Creed, and Ryan Seed rounding out the top ten. Uh, some different names up in that top ten. Yeah, you know, actually Ryan Seed was fighting for that win at the end, 
and he kind of yes. got he um he kind of got pushed out of the way by Ty Gibbs. Ty lined up behind him and kind of pushed him out of the way a little bit. And then Ty made that bonsai move down to the bottom and you know took the lead. Um, I'll, I'll, he I'll threaded you, the I'll, needle. I'll, I'll, that was an amazing move. Oh, that was an amazing move, you know. And, and um, you know, but then I he kind of had a laugh at the end when he that they said it's a good thing he was wearing his helmet when he got out of the cart because after the celebration he slipped and fell on his oh, back on the front stretch, you know, and, oh, I saw and he got up and, you know, but, you know, you kind of feel bad for Austin. Austin Hill is really having a good season, really great season. He is. This year in the Xfinity series. I mean, a lot, I mean, he, he was good in the trucks. He's a lot better, I think, in the Xfinity cars. Yes. Okay. The number eight of Josh Berry won the first stage, the number six, of uh, let's see I've got to relearn all these numbers now who's in the 16 this year all of a sudden I don't see who's in that 16 car Uh, but they've got the 16 listed as the uh, uh, stage 2 winner Almondinger okay that's right AJ Almondinger uh, there were 10 caution flags for 56 laps. That's amazing. And 11 lead changes among the 10 drivers in the, arc, uh, in the uh, Xfinity series. Um, so, uh, again, pretty amazing. Uh, Austin Hill was the rookie of that race. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about the points, Sal, but uh, let's uh, go ahead and do the lead-up for our next guest here. Yeah, our next guest uh, kind of dogged us last week. Didn't call in, didn't text, didn't say nothing <laughs> yeah, until until the show's until the show was completely over. Then he then he then he calls me. Says, "Hey Sal, what's up?" I said, "Dude, I said I'm sitting here <laughs> eating dinner, man. I said the show's over with." No, anyways, <laughs> me and Jacob, we we go a long ways back, but he's a really really nice guy and uh. Really good, uh, really good driver. You know, he's been around the, the SRL for. He's 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 one of the drivers that that has already raced over 100 races in the SRL series, and he has a championship too to go with it. So um, it's going to be neat to talk with him about you know, you know what's what you know how his how his racing has gone, and then um, uh, you know some some exciting news that he's had you know in the past week, and uh, I'll tell you it's um. He just a he's just a really really down one of those down to earth drivers you know that you know you can go out there and you know after the race you can go crack a beer with them you know and and you know talk with them he's good with the fans you know he's good with his team you know new newlywed so he's really good with his wife and actually is remember we had remember Bob Newberry we had on a long time ago yep Sharon he he owned NTS and his son yeah his son. Uh, Brent Brennan, while Jacob mm-hmm. married Bob Newberry's youngest daughter. Oh, they're, wow. they're all from the same area. Yeah, they're all from the same area. So yeah, Jacob ended up marrying uh, uh, Devin Newberry, and uh, they've been married for a couple years now. And uh, they have some. He's got some exciting news. Once he comes on, he said he would he, he would call in at six twenty nine. The time is now six. Well, he's here. He's here. Oh, he's here. You should have said something. Oh, oh man, here we're, we're talking oh, about Oh, I thought him. you heard him. Hey. Okay. 
No, I didn't. I didn't ever say anything. He's real. He's kind. Of, he's kind of ninja, I guess. But anyways, our next guest, we want to welcome him. He's a he's a SRL. He's a Spears SRL tour past champion. He's also part of the Century Club, and um, you know, with that, uh, we want to welcome Jacob to the show. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry, I I, I ghosted you guys. <laughs> That's all right. You know what? Be- Man, you made me laugh on that. But you know, before we start, I just want to say congratulations on your on your new addition to your family. I know uh, you and Devin just became parents, and um, you know it's really neat because you know it's been a it's been a long time coming. You know, whole nine months you guys waited for this moment and uh, for it to finally get here. You know, and it says, see the picture of your baby. Oh my God, she is just a doll. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, been a very eventful week. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Jacob, let's let's talk let's let's talk a little bit of racing now. Um, you know, uh, you know, you've been around the SRL. There's only three, three, I think three drivers that have, or four drivers that have reached the century mark. You know, in that series. You know, and and I know, with uh, you know. Larry and Brian, you know, I mean, it was a Mary, it was a big thing, you know, when the, you know, when we finally, you know, got the first century driver. But throughout all those years racing the SRL, what, 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 what's it like, you know, to get out there and know, you know, you had that many races under your belt, and I mean, just the things that you've seen in the past, and you know, some of your, you know, your highlights and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been. I mean, I've been racing it since I was sixteen. I'm about to turn twenty-nine, so I've been doing it for a long time with them and just uh it's been it's been fun just watching the way the series has transitioned and you know brian and larry and marion and everybody involved in the srl has done a great job to make you know i mean obviously it's the greatest series in the country if not you know everywhere but for sure on the west coast you know they've got it figured out and just uh it's been fun i mean we've gone all over the place i've been to a lot of tracks with them and uh it's been a lot of fun you know racing with them and you know We've had a lot of races, and, I mean, every race you race, your heart still races the same amount every time you do it. You know, you never really get used to it because right when you think you got it figured out, somebody else, you know, like Derek Thorne or somebody comes around and just proves you, you know, how wrong you are. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's always been one of the topics, you know, of the, of the SRL. But, anyways, going, going back to, to when you first started racing, what, what, what was the first car that you ever – you know, Trevor got behind the wheel of it, and, and, and when did you fall in love with the sport? Well, I was uh, three years, uh, I think I was four years old, and my dad bought a QRC box stock cart, which is like a little dirt outlaw cart, and I used to drive it up and down the street all the time, so I got used to it, and my dad farms and our family farms, so we used to have property, and I'd go out and, you know, drive it around and uh, just get used to it, and when I turned five, I was finally old enough to go to the local dirt track and make some laps, and we raced that for a while, so my dad you know, wanted to go try something different. We won some races, and he really loved asphalt, you know, watching Dale Earnhardt. Jeff Gordon was my favorite driver growing up, and, you know, just wanted to get involved in asphalt racing. And my dad had a little late model deal. He stepped away from that and started racing with me, and my, my younger brother used to race too. So we started off in box stock, went to mini cup, ended up in uh, baby grands, which is like a legend, but it's got a body on it, like a late model. We ran those till I was about... 14 and then when I turned 15 I jumped into late models practice for a while and actually made my first race at 16 uh had away for my birthday and uh, been racing late models and then I transitioned over to the SRL I think right 
right at the end of, right before I turned 17, I jumped in a tour car. But yeah, I've been uh, racing all over the place. Wow, that's that's pretty neat, you know. To because back when you when you were 17 to get into a a super late, you know what? It wasn't it was unheard of, you know, because of the you know a lot of the tracks they didn't they didn't you know they had their age restrictions. Plus, you know, it wasn't so much a late model, but now you're getting a, a car, you know, you know, it's a lot faster than, you know, than the late models. Yeah, growing up, I mean, that's one thing that kind of, you know, stuck growing up racing. Like, I remember at the racetrack, you had to be 16 to get in the pits to go watch. I used to sit in the stands with my mom growing up. Even though I was racing at a racetrack, if that series wasn't at the track, you had you had to, uh, you had to stay at home. You, you, you had to go in the stands, but... It's kind of weird when I turned 16, they dropped the they dropped the rule, and then uh, I can't remember how it worked. But as it would go on, they keep changing. Now, obviously, you can be 14 years old driving to your car, so kind of kind of sucks. I uh, came into the racing world a little at the wrong time, if you want to say, just behind the ball, and you know everything. Cha- as I came in, all the things I had to wait for transitioned, you know, into you know what it is now, and if I would have been born two years later, I would have been right in the heat of, you know, other young kids that are coming up, you know, they're 13, 14 driving late models. And I never had that opportunity. It was never heard of. So kind of got gypped a little bit on it, but I've been trying to make the most of it, trying to run the best we can for what we're doing now. And the past is the past and just, you know, looking in the future and trying to, you know, chase their thorn and chase those guys up there that, you know, beat us every weekend and try and learn from them and, become a little better. So what are some of your highlights from the SRL? I, I know, I know you have a championship, you know, you've got multiple wins, you know, but there's always, you know, those, those one or two, you know, one or, one or two things, you know, that happened, you know, throughout, you know, the course of those hundred plus races, you know, that just stand out. Well, there's been a lot of highlights. I mean, I had my first win coming to me. I was just turned, I think I, well, I was seven, I was 16. I think it was my third race. We went to a place called Orange Show there in, in uh, Southern California. First time there, and I was leading it with three laps to go, and my axle popped out. And I had been, like, the youngest winner in SRL history. So I kind of got – that was a bummer in my highlight. Oh. But my first win was at Vegas uh, about four races later. And then we went on to win, you know, three more races that year and had a run for the championship and went to the last race and ended up getting in a wreck and losing that opportunity. But there's been a lot. I mean, we used to go to Utah. It was really dominant when we went to Utah. Colorado we used to go, you know, to the one-mile track. I wish we'd go back. That was a lot of fun, especially now the way the cars are transitioning to a lot more speed and everything. That would be a great track to go back to. But a lot of, lot of highlights, winning, and hopefully more highlights to come. I've never won on a half-mile track, and we're going to Kern, you know, in a couple weeks here, and hopefully – that transitions coming off our last win and everything we've been having going on lately. Hopefully that gets us a better run so I can finally get that half mile one. I've chased them so many times and fell one lap short, got passed, and uh, just working on everything slowly. It's been a lot of fun racing the tour, and uh, it's been great. Going to the Snowball Derby was also a really good highlight. Never have made that race, so we're going to go try and go back again this year and make that race would be another check on the bucket list. Yeah, that's great. You know, now, technology, you know, everybody talks about the technology, you know, that has gone on, you know, throughout the years, you know, to super late, you know, 
you know, all the different changes, you know, of course, you know, with the changes came the different rule packages, you know, going from track to, you know, well, actually the SRL kept the same, you know, they kept the same um, rule package, but, you know, you always hear, you know, about, you know, a track, you can't race here because of their rules or their rules. But I mean, going back to when you first started racing super lace to what you see now, how much has the technology just really upped the ante as far as, you know, trying to get that win, you know, speed, you know, handling and all that. Yeah, and that's one thing that's been crazy. Like, so when we first got into it, it was kind of getting off the conventional deal, like conventional big springs, big bars, you know, no travel. And then when we got into it, it was started getting into this coil, limited traveling deal. So they're coil binding, doing different stuff. And uh, it just, you know, became more of a, you can't really miss the curve. It's more accurate, more speed. So we got a handle of that. We ran a lot of races and then going transitioning out of that a couple of years into that, they came into the bump stop deal. So it's always, I mean, right when you think you got it figured out that somebody else gets it better or the learning curve changes. So now I feel like what's been going on lately now, you know, with the motor deal, they got going on different motor packages. Everybody's kind of, you know, in the last three years with the bump stops, everybody's kind of like got a good grasp, I feel, on everything now. But, you know, it's a learning curve. Every week, something different. Every track's different. Different tire combos are changing a lot lately. So it's it's hard to catch on the learning curve. It definitely definitely is. And it's become almost a full-time job. And it, it's, uh, it's really changed a lot for people like my family that, I mean, I have a regular job with my family. And everybody on my team's a volunteer. We don't have anybody paid. We just go and do it because everybody involved with me just loves it. And we do it because, you know, it's been our life. And it's hard to go out there and beat these guys that, you know, are racing on a lot of money, you know. And we do, I mean, we try to do everything we got right, but you got guys out there that just got, you know, this checkbook. And it's it's hard to beat people that, I mean, that's their living, that's their income. And, I mean, that's what they got to do to survive. And we're out there to have fun and win. So that's been a learning curve in its own for us. So we try to make the best of it you know, having partnerships with different people that help support us. And it's been a, every, every race that you think you, like I said, you think you got it figured out and something changes and you just got to be, you got to adapt with it. You got to, got to live it. You know, and actually last season we you've seen a couple wins get away, you know, for, you know, flat yeah. tire, you know, and, and other things, you know, then this year, you know, you get started, you know, at the all-star showdown, you know, then finally, you know, you get the breakthrough you know, which was at Roseville, you know, with the, you know, leaving all the laps, you know, breaking the track record, you know, and, and finally getting, you know, that win, you know, that was just so, it seemed like it was just, it was so far, it was so close, but yet so far away. Yeah. And it, that's like, I'm saying like last year, I mean, we've, we've had, you know, my dad puts a lot of work into what we got and he lives it just like I do. I mean, me and him, you know, see each other every day and it's practically like we live live with each other like we go to work together come home to the shop we you know bust our butts try to get everything we got and we've had a lot of support from Campbell Motorsports and a lot of people you know involved with them that you know believed in me and trusted us to you know be together with them as an alliance and you know they've helped us out tremendously and my dad's been doing a great job with them keeping our program the way it is and yeah like last year we had you know so many good runs Stockton had, you know, ended up getting into somebody and uh, spinning out, you know, chasing with Derek, trying to see if he get to the front first. I feel like we lost one there. And then Roseville on top of that flat tire with three to go. I just, I mean, it's like I've been telling everybody, I've had a horrible luck my whole entire life. And it just feels like this black cloud has been chasing me. And ever since uh, bringing up the baby thing, I feel like maybe 
this change in my life maybe moved that cloud a little bit because, you know, finally, you know, the week before I have my first kid, you know, I get my win. I finally feels like everything's going in the right direction. And I don't know. That's like I'm saying, it's just, uh, it's so much work and, um, people, you know, people try just as hard as you and you just got to want it just as bad as them. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And with that, Jacob, um, our, you know, the, the host, uh, Sharon, um, I know she has some questions for you, too. I'm going to turn it over to Sharon. Yeah. Thanks for the two minutes, Sal. <laughs> um, okay. First of all, uh, Jacob, I just want to let you know, I really appreciate, uh, I, I looked up on Facebook, and your baby is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. And uh, uh, it seems to me I wanted to definitely talk to you about your win out at All-American Speedway. Uh, You led all the laps. You're second in points right now. Uh, From where I sit, two races in, you're kind of on top of the world here almost. You're you're almost right there in first. It feels like it. It feels like it. I, I think we got a good shot at it. I try not to chase the points as much as I can. It's like I tell everybody, we go to the racetrack to win and anything other than that, not an option. And just, uh, we don't, I try not to get into the points deal. I mean, obviously you go to every race to do the best you can and that's our goal. And Jeremy's going to be a little hard and tough this year. I mean, we're going to go to a couple more half mile tracks here. And I feel like, you know, with some things we've had going on lately, I feel like we're going to have a strong run on these half miles because our last run we had good. I mean, we qualified second, or third this last year at Irwindale. We just didn't have good long run speed, and we figured out what was wrong, hopefully. So we're, uh, I think we've got a good shot at it. Just want to get, I just want, my, my goal this year is to win every race for the rest of the year and see how it goes. Well, you got another one coming up here with the winter showdown out at Kern County Raceway. So uh, we wish you the best of luck there. Um, we barely got a chance to get to know you here tonight, Jacob. Uh, so we hope you'll come back and, and visit with us again. Um, before you go, though, any shout-outs you want to do to your team or uh, sponsors or if you want to let everybody know how they can follow you on social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's uh, Jacob Gomes 16 on most of them. And, uh, yeah, i just like to thank, you know, everybody that's involved to help me get to this point, Ron and Susan DeLoso, uh, Bill and Trevi Andrietta, Sunny Valley Spoke Meet, Studio 10 RS Center. Uh, there's so many people, Dave Reeves, Mike David, um, Strange Oval Axles, Fury, uh, you know, Jeff Foltz. There's a lot of people that are involved in this thing that help me, you know, get to the track every week. And I appreciate, you know, everybody in my crew and all the dedication they do. They all work regular jobs and come to the shop three nights a week to spend time with us instead of their family. And it just means a lot to me. I have a lot of support from a lot of people and uh, I just appreciate all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we wish you the best of luck at uh, Kern County Raceway. The next race is coming up here for the uh, SRL and, uh, Come back and visit with us again, please. Maybe Sal will give me to. more Thank time next time. Next time we'll give Sharon the whole segment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jacob. Take care now, and good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. 
All right, that is Jacob Gomes from the SRL uh, Touring, Southwest Touring Series, a winner out at All-American Speedway, uh, the second race into the season. And their next race is that winter showdown at Kern County Raceway. So uh, you guys will definitely want to uh, make sure you watch that race. Okay, uh, we've got to get into the rest of our ARCA, I'm sorry, our Xfinity Series review. Uh, you want to cover the points report there, Sal? Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, we got we got Noel Gregson leading the points, Ty Gibbs in second, A.J. Allmendinger third, Justin Allgaier fourth, Josh Berry rounds off – oh, Josh Berry fifth, Brandon Jones rounds out the top six. <clears throat> then at seventh, we have Daniel Hamrick. Eighth is Austin Hill, which is the highest rookie so far this year. Ninth is Riley Herbs. Tenth is Ryan Sieg, eleventh is Danny Castle, and Sheldon Creed finally cracked the top twelve. He's in twelfth, and he's another rookie this year in the season. Yeah, in the two, two rookies. Yeah, that's um, neat. Yeah, Noah Gregson having a banner year. Not that Atlanta wasn't one of his better tracks, uh, but he still has that points lead. Uh, 19 points over both Ty Gibbs and A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, an amazing season for Noah Gregson. Yeah, and let's not forget Ty Gibbs either with the two wins. You know, yes. with the ten, with the <laughs> Las Vegas win and and the Atlanta win. You know, he didn't do so good at at uh, um, over at uh, Daytona. But I mean, he's gosh, man, this kid Sharon's so young. And, and remember last year we talked a lot about him. You know what, what he yeah, did in the this incredible. year. You know how he just dominated. He is incredible. He's one of he's one of those blue moon drivers that come in and just take the the racing world by storm. He wins in just about everything he gets into, or at least up in the top uh, contenders. And uh, it, it's been a lot of fun watching him uh, race his way through uh, the stepping stone of uh, the Arkham and Art series into the Chuck series and. And actually, he went to the Xfinity Series and now uh, just doing phenomenal there, his first full-time season. Um, so uh, some really interesting names up in this top ten uh, for the uh, Xfinity Series this year. Some you expected to see, like uh, Nor Gregson, Ty Gibbs, and A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Allgaier. Uh, but there's some, there's some really uh, – young guys that are kind of making their name now in the Xfinity series. Exactly. Ryan Sieg. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Sieg. Sieg. Yes. Yeah. And Atlantic Castle, he hasn't been around for a long time. I remember we had him, the last time we had him on, he was, he was yeah. getting ready to go to a triathlon. <laughs> yes. Remember? He was going to do yes, a triathlon. I do remember. Yeah, he he's very athletic. A lot of people don't realize how athletic he is. Um, and we're going to have to see if we can't get him back on the show here at some point. Okay, I want to go ahead and move on to the Cup Series now, Sal. Uh, and uh, we talked about it earlier, William Byron uh, getting that victory in the Cup Series. Uh, was It was a lot of fun to watch. 
uh, that happened, age 24, driving the number 24, Liberty University Chevrolet with owner Rick Hendrick and crew chief Rudy Fugel. Uh, he won uh, his third victory in 149 Cup Series starts. His first victory and second top 10 finish this year and first victory and second top 10 finish in six races at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Ross Chastain, another guy having a phenomenal year, posted his second, uh, posted his first top 10 finish in five races at Atlanta Motor Speedway and his third top 10 finish of this season. Kurt Busch finished third, posting his 17th top 10 finish in 32 races at Atlanta. Uh, Harrison Burton was uh, the highest finishing rookie in 25th place, and it was not a good day for Harrison Burton. Uh, so, uh, but he was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So there was a, uh, a little bit of light there. Okay, uh, Daniel Suarez came home in fourth place. Corey LaJoy was fifth. The next five drivers were Chase Elliott, Chris Busher, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, and Alex Bowman. Your thoughts about the top ten there? Yeah, it was, it was a, like you said, it was a really, really neat race. Um, for a while there, uh, let me see, Ross Chastain really made a good run you know, at, at, you know, trying to win this race. Um, and we don't talk about him much, but, you know, you, I mean, Bubba Wallace was right there. I thought he was going to get the yep. win. And then, you know what? Um, there was a few people on social media that said he's not used to running up there. So he didn't know what to do when he was put in that position <laughs> and kind of, I kind of knocked yeah. him, got to yeah. kind of blame himself, but, you know, kudos to Bubba. You know, he 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 ran up there a lot. But William Byron, yeah. I mean, man, he's you know, and and if anybody knows the history behind William Byron, he didn't start racing until he was like what? Yeah, 17, he was a teenager. Eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, nineteen years <laughs> old. He was he was old. He was old when he started. And then to get the ride with a lot of people were were questioned Rick Hendrick why he would pick up William Byron, but um, you know that that uh, and his host his whole career he's been sponsored by uh, 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 Liberty University, but it was mm-hmm. good to see him get the win. It was great to see Ross, Chain, Ross Chastain, you know, finish his yes. second, you know, kind of wouldn't like to see him get the win and bust a watermelon, but, you know, um, second <laughs> Kurt Busch, you know, and third, he's been having, he hasn't been really having the, you know, the season everybody expects him, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot, it's, it's good to see, it's good to see a mix of drivers in there, you know, Corey LaHoy. Daniel Suarez, you know, Chris Busher, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to see the mix. I really I really like what this car is doing as far as, you know, you know trying to bring parity. Yeah, trying to bring some parity. I mean you can't bring all parity, but it's trying to bring some kind of parity, you know, to the exactly. series, you know. And and I, I I for myself I, I really like what I'm seeing out of this car. So far it's been it's been really, really racing. It has been. The margin of victory was 0.145 seconds. Uh, Ryan, not Ryan, Brian, William Byron won the first stage, and Ryan Blaney won the second stage. There were 11 caution flags for 65 laps. That's amazing. And 46 lead changes among wow. 20 drivers. Wow. So that, that was wow. a record breaker <laughs> right there. Uh, for lead changes and uh, 
uh, in this race, uh, especially for a track like Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, so uh, just kudos uh, for the, you know, what happened with the racing out here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I did see a few people complaining, but overall I think it uh, went over pretty big with everybody. Oh yeah, you know, and, and you know, especially you know, this is the, they repaved. You know, this is the repaved. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, you know, and reconfigured. So you never know what you're going to get. You know, and because I mean, we see what happened with Bristol when they went and redid Bristol. You know, Bristol. You know, we lost it. You know, Bristol got mm-hmm. lost. You know, in the in the repave, yep. but Atlanta, Atlanta, it really made it. I mean, it really made it a good race. You know, it's going to be exciting. You know, to see you know you know what happens. You know, the next you know their next one. And um, but uh, yep. I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's uh, it's um. Next, it's a good race. we need to go over the points report. Okay, the points. We got Chase Elliott, who is still Chase Elliott. Yeah, who is still leading the points. Joy Logano in second, Chase Briscoe in third, uh, William Byron in fourth, Kurt Busch fifth, Brian Blaney sixth, Eric Almarola seventh, Martin Truex eighth. That rounds out the top eight. And then from there, then we go down to ninth. This is Alex Bowman. Tenth is Ross Chastain. Eleventh is Kyle Busch. Twelfth is Kyle Larson. Thirteenth, Daniel Swartz. Fourteenth, Kevin Harvick. Looks like he's going to make the chase this year. 15, Tyler Reddick is having a really good season, too. And the top 16, Brad Keselowski cracks it <laughs> after having the first two races. Brad, I thought Brad was going to be a Kevin Harvick and was not going to be in there, but Brad cracked the but top he, 16. He squeaked yeah. in there. He's just one point ahead of yep. Austin Sindrick, who's in 17th place. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, some of these points get pretty tight. Uh, this is exciting. Uh to see all of these new new names like Chase Briscoe and uh, uh, up in that top ten. I, I love seeing Chase Briscoe up there. Uh, last year, Stuart Haas Racing seemed to be down as a whole, but Chase Briscoe is kind of leading the brigade there at uh, Stuart Haas Racing this season. Yeah, and you know Chase Briscoe was Tony Stewart's pick. To take over the yeah. number fourteen car when um when uh when uh Boyer oh man Kim, when yeah when Clint Boyer oh. left and and Tony yeah Tony Stewart already had Briscoe in the in the fourteen car um mm-hmm. plus you know it's good to see Daniel Suarez up there in the mix and uh yeah. and Tyler Reddick you know Tyler yes. Reddick up there too so you know we got a lot of I young a lot of young blood up there yeah Ryan Blaney of course yeah. he's always tough. One of the things we've been talking about on Hot Topics with this uh, new car, the Generation 7 car, is that it seems like the younger drivers are catching on uh, to this new car a lot more quickly than some of the veterans. Uh, But I think as the season progresses, all these veterans are going to start catching up, and we're going to start seeing things shake up, I think, quite a bit in the second half of the season. What are your thoughts about that? I I I kind of think so too, you know. And I think what's helping them out too, you know, if they if they get the you know they get the one practice, you know, they, they get the qualifying, you know, then the yeah. race. So I, I I think that one practice they're giving them, you know, is helping them, you know, like you know like we've been talking, you know, maybe by the end of the season or by next season, you know, you know, I don't know if they're going to go back to to the Friday 
to the Friday practices, you know, like they have in the past, you know, Friday practice, Friday qualifying, or if they're just going to keep this format, you know, keep Fridays for, um, you know, for the truck series, you know, and then do, you know, do everything on Saturday, you know, um, you know, like the cup and Xfinity, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, when, you know, when COVID is finally completely done and over with, you know, and, and what the, what, what, uh, what direction NASCAR is going to take. But I, 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 I like this configuration. It was nice to go to Auto Club Speedway on Saturday and Sunday instead of going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people are liking the two-day format versus the three-day format. Uh, and I think the drivers and the families kind of like that better as well. Uh, but we'll, we'll kind of see how that continues to play out. Uh, I like the qualifying better personally. I think it's more interesting to watch it than just doing the two laps around the track and done. Uh, I think it makes it a little more interesting. So I'm glad to see them kind of shaking that up a little bit too. Um, but Sal, you're going to be at Irwindale Speedway this this weekend for that Arca West race and some other racing. Yes. <clears throat> oh yes, yes. I'll, I'll be I'll be there for Arca. Be oh, okay, so then. And hopefully, hopefully I can try and get the race winner. It's kind of yeah. hard to say who wins the race. You know, we, we haven't been we need a race. the I mean, winner's circle because we've been doing the short track racing this year. Um, but uh, let me look. We would have that 8.40 time frame available if you do get the race winner. So we'll, we'll make that work. Okay. Okay. All right, yeah. Like I said, you know, we'll, we'll see how uh, – you know, we'll, we'll see how that, um, you know, if we can get that, uh, you know, if I can get that race winner and, uh, you know, to come on on Monday. Because most, okay. most of them are local anyways. Most of them are local. They're all local drivers. So, you know, it's like they have, you know, like they have to travel on Monday or something like that. Right. Well, we appreciate all that you do, Sal. And uh, I hope you have fun out there at Irwindale this weekend. And we'll look forward to talking to you. Uh, next Monday night here at 8.30 p.m. Our guest next Monday, by the way, uh, we have Joe Graff Jr. at 9 o'clock and David Foley. We were just talking about him. The crew chief for... Oh, yeah, David uh, Foley. Yeah. The, the crew chief for uh, Jacob Gomes. Oh, no. No. Yeah. He's a, he's a spotter for Derek Thorne. Oh, he's a spotter for Derek Dorn. Okay, so he's yeah. but he's working with uh, Tanner this year. Yeah, with Tanner with Tanner Rife too. He's he's he spots for a lot of Got drivers. It. But but okay. right, but his main driver is, is Derek Dorn. Got it. Okay, well, we're going to have to take I, this. I, so I can send him a text. Yeah, I'll send him a text oh, tonight okay. to remind him. Perfect. Perfect. And then uh this Thursday we have uh, Ryan Vargas on the show. So we're looking forward to talking to him on Thursday night. Okay. Ask him with that. Yeah. I'm going to go. You guys have a good evening. Have a good show. And we will talk to you next week. What do you want me to ask Ryan? Oh, ask him if his mom ever found out anything about the mold. They they had a a flood during the week and I called his mom about, you know, making sure that they check that she don't have no mold in her house. Oh, okay. <laughs> if she does, she yeah. knows who to call, right? <laughs> I, I told her. I, I talked to her. So, anyways, all right. We'll see okay. you guys. Good night. Good night, Joe. <laughs>
All right. Uh, we are two minutes past the top of the hour, so we are biting us a bit here for Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, here to join me for that is our fan for racing crew. We will start with Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, caught, uh, caught the tail end uh, a little bit of what you guys were talking about, the uh, configuration of qualifying and that. So I always appreciate getting Sal's input on it as well. I know he can't ever stay on for hot topics. Uh, hopefully one day he gets a chance because uh, I, I like to hear his opinion and take on things too. <laughs> oh, Sal always has an opinion. <laughs> okay. Also joining us tonight is Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you, Sharon. Happy to be on. I know it's been a week or so, so good to be on tonight. Yes, indeed. And we also have joining us Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. We've got uh, a full crew here tonight. Uh, Andy, I'm going to start with you for our first hot topic tonight. Overall, um, the topic of Atlanta Motor Speedway, just the surface, uh, the new type of racing that we saw, and just the weekend in general. I know it's a bit of a broad subject, but I think we can probably narrow it down to the the new track surface and the racing product. I think that's probably the big hot topic coming out of the weekend. So really, really curious to see what everyone thinks. I know this is um, kind of one of those uh, either you love it or hate it type things. So curious to see what everyone <laughs> thinks about it. Okay, Jay. Well, you're right. You fall into one of those categories, and I think eventually we're going to hear drivers express that as well. We have four super speedway races where there is this pack racing, um, you know, the possibility of anybody can win. So I don't know. I'm not sure I understand why NASCAR felt the need to try and push another one specifically then at a mile and a half track. Now, I did hear some things about how they felt like the the racing at Atlanta, the broadcasters on both TV and radio, as well as then Race Hub, of talking about that, that Atlanta needed something. Um, But I think the repave would have done it itself. I don't know that they needed to necessarily push it to what we're going to call, I guess, a super speedway style of racing. In my opinion, I don't think Atlanta needed that. Like I said, we have four, uh, Daytona twice, Talladega twice. Uh, the truck race and the Xfinity race, uh, truthfully, I didn't even get to watch yet. I listened to it on the radio on my ride home. Um, it's different when you're hearing it on the radio versus seeing it on TV. Having watched the cup race, yeah, especially when they additionally narrowed Atlanta to me, then, though, you can't even get three. I know going four wide even at Daytona or Talladega is risky, but there's that option. You don't have that option. So if you have two wide racing, if you're third or fourth on the inside line, sixth position, you really can't go anywhere. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, when it comes to Daytona and Talladega, you deal with it, and there there is more room and capability to make those passes. The one thing I will say that I didn't particularly care for, and and as I said, I listened to the truck and Xfinity on the radio broadcast, then uh, watched the cup race, is I feel like they are really trying to jam it down our throats to make us like it. They got what they wanted or expected of the super speedway. 
but it felt like they were trying, overly trying to make it such a positive before it had even happened that I just felt like it was being forced upon the listener. Um, and now I know we've heard different drivers talk about super speedway racing. There's a lot of them that say it's a necessary evil. Big track, cool racing, you get some crashes and some new winners, but they don't like it. You know, they do it because it's their job and they have to, uh, you know, a couple times a year. Now it's up to six with Atlanta. So I, I just don't think that they necessarily had to try and force that. And I really feel like they did, especially from the broadcasters of how positive it was that they're great a thing that it was. Okay. It's super speedway racing. It's nothing new. It's on a mile and a half now, but I just felt like they were really trying to oversell it. Tommy. So I really liked Talladega and Daytona. So Atlanta, um, I really enjoyed it yesterday. Uh, I like the double, um, double line racing because it was like that throughout most of the day until those last two stages towards the end where there was a few wrecks. So they didn't run double uh, two lines then or side-by-side the whole time. They kind of backed off and went single file. But either way, I really thought the Atlanta race was uh, was awesome. Um, I mean, Ross Chastain was up there leading Reddick. Uh, Stenhouse, I mean, it, it was a good race overall, I would say. Um, I've seen both sides on Twitter all throughout the day-to-day, and when I was watching the race yesterday, I saw some people talking about it on Twitter. But um, a lot of people didn't like it, but I feel like some people did, and I guess I'm one of those. But then again, like I said, I really enjoy the Daytona and Talladega races, so I'm happy with how the Atlanta race turned out. It was an exciting race. I mean, Chris Buescher finished backwards. So uh, (laughs) Corey LaJoy got a top five. Um, the wrecks did seem to be uh, kind of violent. They were some hard hits. I did notice that. So I'm sure they'll look into that. And, of course, the tire issue with the cars, with all three leaders at one point, um, Chastain, Reddick, and Stenhouse all wrecked, leading with a, a flat back right tire. Um, did anybody see the Kyle Busch interview after the race? That was pretty funny. It was like three or four words and that was it (laughs) um it was a yes no and that was it uh and then he walked away so but yeah i mean i really feel like reddick chastain suarez stenhouse um it gave them the them guys a chance to be up there and to possibly win and i I really think that we're going to see a bunch of different winners this season just like we saw last season so i'm fine with the atlanta change Okay, that brings it to me. I'm I'm a mixed bag on this one. I'm not a huge fan of super speedway racing to begin with. Um, it's a wild card, and I guess that's part of the fun of having the super speedways is it's it's next to impossible to guess who's going to be the one that ends up in front when it's all said and done because you can be in the back and still make your way up to the front. Um, I... I think that when you compare it 
to the racing that we were seeing at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I looked at some of the um, uh, finishes, and like in, I can't remember the dates now, if it was 21 or 22, but they were like two seconds uh, gap from the first and second place winner in those races from a year and two years ago at Atlanta Motor Speedway. This year, everybody, all three series were under a second as far as the finish. They were very close finishes. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, it, it was a lot better. When you look at the number of lead changes, uh, I, what was it I just read a few minutes ago? Uh, 46, uh, hold on, let me get the stats here. And this was just for the Cup Series. They were breaking records all over the place. Uh, 46 lead changes among 20 drivers. We don't see that at tracks very often uh, with that many different drivers. Uh, you know, that many lead changes, number one, and that many different drivers. Uh, so it made it a lot more interesting than what we typically see at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, and I guess from that perspective, it was a positive thing. Um, but the wrecking and things being outside of their control, I have to agree with the drivers to a certain degree. They're, they're doing it because they think that's what all the fans want to see uh, on the track. And, and uh, you know, there's a, I, I can argue either side of this, to be honest with you. But to me, I, I want to see the drivers more in control of what their destiny is. And I think we see that at, at uh, different tracks. It's better than what it was as far as excitement and, and uh, seeing different people in the lead and, and all the different things that happen throughout those races. It, it's more exciting when you look at the finishes with it being under a second uh, in all three series. Uh, I think that's more exciting. You've got different drivers. You didn't have anybody who really dominated the stages and won at the end. Uh, you saw different people winning the stages and uh, a different person winning at the end in some cases. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little bit of a mixed bag on this one. I think it is better than the old Atlanta, uh, but I, I'm just not – that big of a fan of super speedway racing to begin with. Uh, at some, they did have to do the single file racing because uh, it was difficult to pass and, and everything else. But we we didn't see anything in this race that we don't see at the super speedways like Talladega and um, uh, Daytona. The same things that we saw at those two racetracks are the same things that we saw at um, – at uh, Atlanta. The difference is what Jay pointed out. It's so much more narrow, and I think that a lot of the drivers struggled with that. They don't have room to really make those passes, uh, and that makes it that much more challenging. But then I always say to myself, that's why you get paid the big bucks, you know, to, to be challenged and to do things. Uh, they have two things that they're dealing with coming into Atlanta this weekend. They had the Gen 7 car and they had the new track and reconfigure, pave and reconfiguration. So that's a lot for those drivers to uh, have to deal with. I, 
I am willing to give it a chance and for these guys to get to know the track better. Uh, I'll be curious to see if there's any improvement when we come back the second time. I, I kind of doubt it. I think it's still going to be super speedway racing at a 1.5-mile track that's very, very narrow. And uh, I think it's going to be really challenging for these guys. But uh, I'm hoping uh, that we do see more improvement as they get to know these cars better and they get to know that track better. So, Andy, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. All right. So, obviously, I I tried to go into this weekend with an open mind at the new racetrack. Uh, with a super speedway package, and you don't really know quite what you're going to see. Um, I watched everything there was to watch this weekend, all three practices, both races on Saturday live, and then the cup race on Sunday live. Um, you know, and obviously for any of you that read the race day chats, you know, Mike and I talked about and debated it quite a bit. So on behalf of Mike Orzel, I think I share a lot of his thoughts on this. Um, uh, I just, I struggle with it a bit, you know, from the standpoint of this, this was a manufactured racetrack to support super speedway racing. If we look at, and, and I should preface this by saying, I enjoy the Daytona and Talladega racing, just like Tommy said, like, I, I feel like it's necessary because those tracks are so big we have to slow the vehicles down. And in doing so, it obviously packs everybody up and it becomes a chess match. You know, you have to be in the right lane with the right drafting partners, manufacturers working together. There's pitch strategy. Handling comes into play at Daytona. Um, You know, all that stuff is great. Like I enjoy those four super speedway races per year. And I, but I, I kind of get the feeling that it really shouldn't expand too much outside of that. Um, Where I struggle with Atlanta, New Atlanta, if you will, is they specifically built this racetrack to cater to super speedway racing. So I struggle with with it from the standpoint of it's a bit fabricated. Now, obviously, some people are going to disagree with that and say that we're in the – or I should say NASCAR is in the entertainment Mm -hmm. business, you know, and it's all about people in the stands and eyes on TV, and and I get that. And I get that it may be healthy for the sport from, you know, a rating standpoint and an attendance standpoint. So from the business side of things, I get why they did it, because if they had simply gone here um, after, if they had just simply repaved the track and left the banking alone, it probably would have been a pretty boring weekend, to be honest about it. You know, so I'm going to applaud them from the standpoint of, coming in, adding banking, and creating a spectacle, if you will, that was entertaining. Was I entertained? You know, yeah, for the most part I I was. But, you know, at times I was just left to scratch my head because a lot of race cars and trucks get torn up this weekend unnecessarily. And, you know, that's a pretty big burden on these teams, especially cup teams with limited chassis and cars at this point in time. So I, I just was left feeling like, this maybe could have been prevented, but, you know, was it overall a good weekend for the Atlanta Motor Speedway and, you know, ticket sales and and ratings? Yeah, it probably was, but I just felt like it was forced, you know, and and I'm struggling to accept more super speedway style races. Um, 
you know, I just, I, I don't know that that's the answer. And I, and I get concerned and a bit nervous about because of the excitement and, and the racing that we saw this weekend, which was exciting. I mean, I'll admit I was on the edge of my seat, especially for the end of the cup race. Cause you know, they kept tearing stuff up left and right. And you don't, you didn't know who was going to get caught up in it. You know, I, I was on the edge of my seat, which I guess means that it did its job, but, um, you know, I get concerned that because of that excitement generated from this, you know, will they start reconfiguring other mile and a half tracks to move in this direction? And, you know, we saw NASCAR try the high downforce experiment that failed. And I really don't want to see an influx of super speedway style racing. I like it, but I like it in moderation. And I think what makes NASCAR unique is the fact that, you know, we have those handful of super speedway races, you know, which they do a few times a year. The, and, but I also enjoy the fact that the road courses and short tracks and, and intermediate tracks. And quite honestly, you know, when you look at intermediate tracks like Homestead, Chicagoland, places like that, um, they put on really good shows, um, mm-hmm. which the drivers had to, you know, the drivers had to really, you know, drive those cars and, and manage tire wear. Um, and you know, those tracks were, were just fine. And, you know, one of them doesn't even exist on the schedule anymore. Um, we will see homestead later in the season, but, you know, I, I wish that if we were going to keep intermediate tracks in the schedule, maybe, you know, trend in a homestead type direction instead of this, you know, manufactured super speedway product. Um, like I said, I get why they did it. I think that it made for a much more, entertaining weekend than we may have seen otherwise had they simply repaved it. But I I'm concerned that this is a trend we'll see NASCAR go in. And, and honestly, you know, the sport should not be defined by a bunch of super speedway races. I, I, I like them, but I like them only maybe three or four times a year and that's about it. So um, I'm going to have to say that, you know, overall, I, I just wasn't sold on it, you know, and I, I, I would say hopefully that if this is the direction that Atlanta goes in, um, you know, for years to come, maybe at least until the surface wears a bit and they can maybe go unrestricted, you know, leave it at Atlanta. But I, I really don't want to see this expand out because I, I think that's a, that's a not a good decision and not a good direction to go in. Okay, Jay. Yeah, and several things that I said to start with have kind of been echoed of it being forced, manufactured, I think is the word uh, Andy used. Yeah, you watch a, take a football game or a baseball game, game-winning field goal, ninth-inning home run. Yeah, we like to see that, but it's not going to happen every game, every, uh, every race. So to try and force that is what I, I feel like is the direction they went. Um, Plus the new car. I mean, the new car was supposed to take care of some of that anyway with uh, on a mile and a half of the not being able to pass. the And I lost the word again. The deflector underneath was supposed to change the way they drafted and, and the ability to pass. So I don't think they needed to do also then the change to the track other than repave it, which, you know, we heard it last year. The driver said, don't repave it. Don't repave it until you absolutely have to. They got to that point. They had to repave the track, but let it work itself in naturally. You can do the tire dragons and stuff between races to get it to where it's a worn out surface again, but to change it like they did. And 
I want to say it was Jeff Gordon. I might not might be wrong there, but someone during the TV broadcast referred to it as a baby Daytona. Well, why do you mm-hmm. want a second Daytona? You know, I mean, that's a, that's the thing. Why do you like Daytona? Why do you like Talladega? Why do you like this track? Because it's unique. It's different. So why are you trying to make another one? You know, as Andy said, for your good, we enjoy them. But then we also enjoyed Atlanta, California, the new road courses, the uh, Bristol on dirt, you know. Um, and Sharon, you, you mentioned this of the last two years, the, the time differential in the uh, margin of victory. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I think back to, and I'll, I'll use Sharon's driver, Martin Truex Jr. led how many, 390 out of 400 laps, you know, uh, just mm-hmm. dominated the Coca-Cola 600. That happens occasionally. Give them props. They did their job. They were prepared and ready. But that also then should be on the teams to step up and, and catch up, not on NASCAR to fix the track so that nobody can get away because then what do you have? You have what happens here. Instead of a one-car wreck, you got a 20-car wreck. And there are some positives, like you all mentioned, seeing different drivers at the front, Corey LaJoy getting a top five finish. That is great. But did they get that finish? Or did it, they get that finish because somebody else wrecked out and everything? And that's what you have at Daytona and Talladega. And that's great. Mm-hmm. You get excitement from it. But we don't want to see that every week either. So I, I'm still on the side of I just think they tried to overforce this. Okay, Tommy. Uh, well, I wanted to add that my pick won. Uh, I think I've been consistent this year, so I'm happy for that. William Byron, the 24 <laughs> cars back in victory lane. The flames look good. I still like the rainbow car a little bit better and the original flames from Gordon. Uh, Bubba Wallace, I really thought he was going to win there for a second. I really thought it was going to be a last lap pass like um, the Xfinity and Truck Series. But uh, Byron hung on, so happy for that. And um, I did watch some of the truck race and some of the Xfinity race. Um, I didn't catch all of it, though. But from what I remember, um, pretty much kind of a wreck fest, like everybody's saying. And um, a last lap pass to win it for um, Ty Gibbs. So I wanted to pick him, but I I think somebody took him this week. So couldn't get him. But uh, I, you know, I, we were talking about how it's now six super speedways if you consider Atlanta. Uh, last year there was seven road courses, so I just feel like NASCAR's mm-hmm. changing it up. They were talking about wanting to add another short track at Auto Club, but now I think hopefully they keep the keep that the way it is. But either way, uh, you know, they want to bring back Rockingham and North Wilkesboro. So they might add us, you know, another short track. So, but I enjoyed a super speedway racing. So I'm happy with the change calls. I really, I really liked it. It was exciting. And um, I do, I do have to say that I think the cup race was better than the Xfinity and truck races. Um, because once they did start wrecking a lot in the cup series, they kind of stopped in the Xfinity and the truck series. They don't really stop. They just continue wrecking. So, but, um, it was a good, I, you know, they were, the truck race and Xfinity race was last lap passes and the cup race was really entertaining. So um, I'm okay with the Atlanta change. Um, 
you know, we probably won't see another Harvick finish or Carl Edwards finish like that, but then again, maybe we will. And, well, actually, I did want to add this, too. Uh, if there is one problem, I guess, with the new Atlanta Raceway, in my opinion, it's not big enough for them to go three wide. Then it would be a complete super speedway, in my opinion. Yeah, I like Jamie McMurray's terminology for calling it the super media. Um, instead of the super speedway, it's a super media. Um, I, I, I uh, think, too, that we have to remember why they did this. NASCAR is in a era thinking out of the box of how they can uh, make this more entertaining for the fans. So many fans complained about all the 1.5-mile cookie-cutter tracks, and they've been cutting them out. They've been trying to they, – they took Charlotte and turned it into a Roval. They took uh, uh, Indiana and they're using the road course at Indiana. And you're right, they've got a lot more road courses. I like the road course racing probably a little bit more than I do the super speedway racing. But uh, I do think that NASCAR is trying to think out of the box on how they can make these races more entertaining for the fans. And because the fans have been complaint after complaint after complaint about the 1.5-mile cookie-cutter tracks. So in that respect, i got to give NASCAR some credit for thinking out of the box and coming up with an idea. Um, but I have to agree that it's not something I want to see them go and do at all the 1.5-mile tracks. Uh, I think we've got enough of the super speedway races, in my opinion. Uh, oh, and i got to do my announcement. Let me do that real quick. Um, we're coming up at 10.30 p.m., and we are going to be going off the air at exactly m. And for all those that are tuning in maybe for the first time, uh, we just want to let you know that even though we're going off the air at 1030, we are going to continue our conversation past that time, and it will be part of our uh, podcast as part of our bonus overtime material. What I'll do is go out on Twitter and let you know that we're finished and that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the podcast player that we have at fanforacing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know what to do or how to hear the rest of that uh, conversation when we go off air kind of mid-sentence. Um, but anyway, what I, I was going to say is I just think that NASCAR, uh, I do give them kudos for thinking out of the box. I do think that they're trying to address what some of the fans' concerns are. Uh, and they said when they started some of this, they said sometimes we're going to hit it right and sometimes we're not. So this is one of those where you've got, you know, some fans really like it and enjoy the entertainment value that they get out of the races uh, at this intermediate. Some fans don't like it. And that's going to be the case no matter what NASCAR does. I don't care what it is. Um, there's always going to be somebody who's going to complain about what they did. So I do give them kudos for that, but I have to agree, let's not do it to all the 1.5-mile tracks now. Let's explore some other ideas 
on how to make those tracks a little bit more entertaining uh, other than trying to force uh, the super speedway type racing on that tighter. It's so tight that they can't make it any wider than what it is uh, on the 1.5 mile track. The 1.5 mile track is not really designed to be a super speedway. So um, I hope I'm with you guys. I hope they don't try to do this to a bunch of 1.5 mile tracks. Uh, I, I do give them kudos for trying to address fans' concerns, though. And I think we have to remember that. Uh, they are going to have some hits and they're going to have some misses. So, um, but, you know, let's stop at this one and move on to another idea as far as I'm concerned. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, that's really, I mean, I'm going to echo what, what you guys are all saying, you know, to close it out really is just, um, you know, since they have built the track the way that they have, I, I do think that you have to have, uh, at least for now, you do have to have a super speedway type package there because looking at some of the hits that these drivers took, um, if they went unrestricted and mm-hmm. in, in going even faster, uh, you know, people would run the risk of being hurt and we don't want to see that obviously. So I do think that in light of the track design, you know, you do have to run that type of package there, but you know, I agree. Um, we're at six super speedway races now per year and that's enough, you know, I, and because if you have too much of a good thing, it loses its luster. And I think that's what made the anticipation and the excitement for the Daytona and Talladega race is so high is you only saw four of those a year, you know, a couple in the spring, a couple in the fall or summer. And, you know, when those races came around, you know, they're a lot of fun because they're, they're unique and you don't see too many of them. Um, we've increased that number by two. And I think that's where it needs to end. You know, like I said, I, I, I understand why they do it in Atlanta, but um, you know, I, I definitely don't want this to get, you know, into too big of a thing. And, and hopefully, hopefully this is where we see it stop. You know, I mean, I'm not sure of any other tracks coming up for being totally redone except for auto club. And I think in the case of auto club, you got to leave it alone or, or make it a short track. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I get what Atlanta did. I'm hoping that maybe as the track wears, they can get back to a more traditional intermediate style racetrack, but um you know, hopefully they just leave it where we're at and, you know, we have six of those races a year and we call it good. Okay. Jay, you get the uh, next top topic. Well, it's a, in that discussion, it was already mentioned a couple of times, we had some tire issues. It appeared mm-hmm. to be within one manufacturer, um, and it wasn't the tire issue, but how the car was either the camber on the car set up or leaning into the track. So what's the fix action? I know Mike posted uh, something with that of that the Goodyear was looking at it and said, hey, it's not on us. Um, but what's the fix action there? And was it really only one manufacturer? Okay. Tommy? Well, um it seems to me that tire issues are, have been ongoing uh, all throughout the season now, even at the uh, Coliseum, I feel like, too. Um, but it was uh, Chastain first. He was leading when his back right blew um, in the lead. And then it was Tyler Reddick. 
who was in a lead in stage two, Chastain was stage one, and then it was um, Stenhouse either in stage two or stage three uh, when his back right blew out. So all three, and those are all Chevys, um, had those tire problems. And then Haley Deegan had a tire problem in a truck series and in her truck. I don't know if it was her tire or her engine or what, but, I mean, something caught fire on pit road. I saw that. Um, so it just appears that tire problems are an issue. Uh, I don't know if it's lug nut related or if it's just the tire of the new car. Uh, I'm not really into the the mechanics part of the the race, and I and I know some of it, but I'm more into the just the the racing itself and and uh, that kind of stuff. But I do know that the leaders were all up front when it happened. And I feel like Jeff Gordon said something about it in the booth about um, maybe something in the back right tire was being heated by something you know up under the car and the engine which was causing it, but I guess I don't really know, but I just, they'll, they'll eventually fix it out, and then there will be another problem later on this year, so the tires won't even be an issue later, it'll be another problem, so we'll see. Andy? Yeah, I think as we look at the problem specifically, it was related to Chevrolet, and it was related to I think Trackhouse and uh, Trackhouse teams, RCR and um, JTG Doherty cars that all had the issue. No Hendrick cars, to my knowledge, had a tire problem. Um, So it it seemed like, you know, through some team chatter that it may have been a a camber-related thing or maybe a toe-related thing. To Tommy's point, I don't understand the mechanics of it enough either to to comment fully on it, but um, it it seemed like it wasn't a tire failure per se as much as it may have been a tire wear issue due to the car's setup. Um, I I chalk that up to, you know, growing pains. I say it every week, I think, this year about something Mm -hmm. because we're only on, you know, week five of the season um, not only is there a new car and a new tire, but it was also a new racetrack. And I think that some teams figured it out. Others, you know, maybe had a, some issues. And I would I would tend to expect that, you know, those teams that did have tire problems aren't going to have that problem when they come back in July because they're going to figure out exactly what the issue is. Um, to Tommy's point, I, I think that, you know, when one issue is fixed, others will arise throughout the year and you're going to just, you're going to see it, you know, that's just a product of everything being so new. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll get things sorted out and, and ironed out moving forward. And, you know, we'll start to see less and less of these issues, but each week that we come to a new track or a new style of racing, whatever the case may be, there, there's going to be some issues. Thankfully we didn't see more than, than those three tire failures. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I think they'll get it sorted out down the road. But it, it to me, was more of a, I think, a team and car setup issue than, than an actual tire problem. Yeah, I, I'm going to kind of repeat myself, too. And then Jeff Gordon actually said it on the broadcast. He said teams are playing with the camber, the toe, and the air pressure. And uh, some are being aggressive about it, while others are being conservative with it. And uh, 
<laughs> what teams were conservative, the Hendrick Motorsports team, uh, with Jeff Gordon as vice chairman now there. So I I really think that that's what they're going to find out that it is so, that some people were just over aggressive with setting their toe and their camber, and I, I still say the air pressure. Uh, and the variance that people are doing with the with the air pressure, they're going outside the recommended allowances, and I think that's got something to do with it. Uh, now that one time they took tire off, uh, and I forget whose car it was now, but a bunch of gray stuff fell out of there, gray powdery stuff. So it was like the metal in there was being totally uh, ground down, if you will, and came out as dust when they took that tire off. Um, so that tells me that something was really grinding where it shouldn't have been grinding, um, on that car. And, uh, uh, I think that what they're going to end up with is saying, these are the allowances that you have at these tracks. Uh, and you're right. It's a new track, a new car. Uh, and some people just hit it. Some people didn't. They went too far with it. So, um, I, I, I really think that's what they're going to find out here. I think Jeff Gordon said it very clearly on the broadcast, and um, I, I think he's 100% on the mark. Jay? Well, I, I miss my buddy Mike, so I'm going to let him jump in here. Uh, as he put in the chat uh, reference NASCAR looking into the tire failures, he said, good, definitely concerning. I'm sure they're going to try and blame teams for being overly aggressive on their setup, that mm-hmm. the tires should be built to withstand anything that's legal in the rule book. Assuming that the ca- camber settings the teams were running were legal per the rule book, it shouldn't have to put the tire in a regimen where it, has, it was prone to failure. Okay, so hmm. if, if their setup was legal per the rule book, then, yeah, then it's on the tire itself. Uh, I don't 100% agree with that, but he's got a point. My point to that, though, is we talked about it. Atlanta, or first off, new car, new tire, new racing surface, new reconfiguration of that track. How do we know where the problem came from? And, and this goes to even, even the per, uh, previous uh, discussion. You're trying to fix the problem. Well, you throw 10 things at it. We still have problems, so what fixed it and what, what hurt it? You don't know. There's too many variables. If all they did was bring the new car to the old track, whatever problems is, obviously <laughs> on the new car. Okay? So I don't know that we can pinpoint it because I think it's going to be a combination of things. As you mentioned, Jeff Gordon said they did go a little bit conservative to make sure they didn't have a problem. But we all know at some point, you know, no matter what it is, Drivers, teams are going to try and push the limit. And here's where I disagree with Mike. Just because it's a legal setup don't mean you can't overextend or overpush the car, equipment, mm-hmm. a driver, okay? You know, it's legal for a driver to zigzag back and forth. Does that mean he should do it? Probably not, okay? <laughs> so there is a limit. You know, you can't just say, well, it's legal, it should work. No, that's not always the case. Um, so just so I got to disagree and argue with Mike for a little bit there. I just think, like I said, there's too many variables to completely figure it out. The new tire that they have this year uh, could have been a portion to it. The, the doing super speedway racing on a mile and a half comes into play. 
how the team set their car up. The camber in it comes into play. So it was coincidental, and I know that on the TV broadcast, anyway, talking about it being in the lead, again, that the amount of difference of downforce or whatever it is that's causing it um, obviously was playing a factor because it was when they got the car out front. So that, too, what, what, what was the cause of that? And I, I do have to say, you guys said you weren't uh, technical people, so you couldn't speak to it. I don't need to be a technical. I still speak to it, but there are some unknowns. <laughs> it, it happened when they were at the front of the field. So, yeah, that question, I can't answer as to why they were talking about it, though, of being the, the fresh air, clean air downforce, being the one out front pulling the entire field. Like I said, there's just so many variables. I don't think you can point to one thing and say, oh, it was that team because they did this with their camber. I don't think you can say, oh, it's the new tire, oh, it's the new car and the new track. I think it's just an, a whole pack combination package, which then Hendrick Motorsports, as Gordon said, the, the best thing they could do was go conservative and make sure that they, were, that they didn't have that. And it paid off as William Byron won. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tommy? Uh, I'm glad to see that they're looking into the tire um, because, it, like we all said, it's been five races, and there's been tire problems throughout all five races. So glad to see they're looking into it. And I do feel like I remember Clint Boyer saying something in the booth, too, about the air pressure in the tires also. Um, but I do remember Gordon saying, like, he did an ex- explanation of to what he thought was happening, so I didn't remember that. But um, just glad to see that they're looking into it and maybe – you know, like I said, it'll be resolved, and then there will be another problem that we'll be talking about later on. So, but, um, it's, maybe it was just coincidental that it was three Chevys, um, and they were leading. Either way, uh, it made the made it more entertaining for sure when all three of them had flats and Chastain battled back and had a um, top ten finish. I think. Yeah. So, um, pretty good race. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just to close this one out, for me, just, you know, I think that, and I I would suspect that teams will spend some time digging into why the tire failures happened. And, um, you know, I can see Mike's point of, you know, the tire needing to be durable enough to withstand anything within the rule book. I I, I think that's a good point. you know, you just have to wonder if, if teams are right on the edge of, you know, setups being legal versus not legal, if that's what the difference maker is. But I get where he's coming from on that. So, um, you know, maybe maybe the tires do need to be a little bit more durable in, in the standpoint of being able to withstand tolerances and differences, you know, being different across the, the, the field. But, um, you know, I do think that, you know, teams are also pushing the envelope right now and trying to see just how far they can go on, on setups, just how far they can go on, on air pressures and all kinds of things, not just even tire related, but just, you know, setup related, you know, trying to push the rules and, and trying to push the, everything they can to, to figure out how to make speed out of this race car. Um, when you look at the number of inspection failures, we continue to see week in and week out. I know that's a different mm-hmm. topic, but I think that just proves the point that everyone's pushing right now to, to get speed, especially teams that maybe are struggling to start the year. So, 
Um, you know, but I think that with every week that we, we come to the track, we're going to see a lot of learning take place. And like I said, I'm sure that whatever, whatever was the cause this weekend, it'll get figured out. It'll get ironed out. It won't be a repeated process when they come back in, in July. Yeah, I have to agree with that. This is a bigger tire. Um, but I, I, again, I'm not sure if it's the tire that's the problem. I know that they were looking at the treads. Even Tony was out there looking at the uh, – reviewing all the different tires that were coming off the cars. Um, but uh, the one that really concerned me the most is when I saw that metal that had turned to dust <laughs> that was coming off of that car. Uh, that, I think, is definitely some, a setup problem uh, where there, that was absolutely destroying uh, the metal in there. Uh, I don't know if it was a tie rod or uh, axle or what it was, but it it, it definitely was uh, destroying uh, the metal inside that car. So to me, that somebody went too far on that one for sure. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, NASCAR is going to review it. Goodyear's looking at it. Uh, each of these teams are going to look at what they did and. Uh, They've got notes now for Atlanta. Going into Atlanta, nobody had notes uh, because of all the unknowns that they were dealing with there. So at least they, they'll get some notes for the next time they uh, race at Atlanta on uh, what's going to be acceptable and what's not going to be acceptable. And uh, we'll, we'll just see what comes out of the Goodyear review and and if any of the teams uh, come up with uh, the issue was for their respective teams. Jay, you get to close it out. Well, you mentioned it there. One specifically, you're right, that you would have to think it was something the team doing, uh, and I don't know which one of the Stuart Haas cars it was that uh, was having that issue, but that obviously was something within that car, within the setup or, or whatever. The rest of them you can kind of maybe group into one, and I like the fact that Goodyear's involved in looking at it, but you're right. It wasn't the tire itself that failed. So um, mm-hmm. them being involved in it helps, and maybe they can help the teams understand. And this goes back to, to what Mike, Mike said. You can't just say, oh, it's legal to do this. It should work because, I mean, that's, a, that's just not – I disagree from the just, full aspect of that. Yeah, um, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of legal things you could do that probably aren't going to work. So these teams are going to have to adapt, and that's why, Sharon, you like to say it, these are the, the best of the best. They get paid the big dollars. They're going to have to adapt. If you can't push that hard, you know, going back to Daytona, um, Justin Haley said his tire might have blown because of the way he was shifting, the way he was leaning on it mm-hmm. or whatever. Then they're going to have to adapt and work with it. But Goodyear's at least still working with them and saying, hey, maybe there is something we can do with the tire that will help you guys do what you want to do and still be able to use the said tire or, you know, adjust the tire as well as the new car, new track. So we'll have to see as it goes throughout the year. I know we've said there's been tires issues uh, all year, but it's been a little bit different. And that goes with the territory, you know, because each track is different. Each Mm -hmm. weather conditions are different. You know, had it been a cooler day in Atlanta, would that have been different? Or I I guess I should say warmer day because it was pretty cool there after all the rain they got. Um, you know, is it going to be different in July? Because it's going to be a hot and steamy track. We don't know, but that's where I feel another like thing that like could have been a factor are all those bumps. There were a lot of bumps on that track. Sorry, 
and that there there you go. That plays into track surface. You know, we're saying this happened at California, this happened at Phoenix. You can't say that's the same because there are just again so many variables. So teams like HMS, they said, okay, we're going to make sure we don't have that issue. Go conservative. Okay, we gave up a little speed or handling, whatever. They won the race, though, so. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, we have a lot to talk about here tonight. Only two subjects that we were able to get to tonight. Uh, Tommy, do you have a quick one we can cover? Because we've only got less than 10 minutes now. Well, since we were talking about the uh, tire failure and stuff, I guess we could go with the the Haley Deegan fire. Did y'all um, see that and how she had to go to the infield care center for um, smoke inhalation? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Andy, you get the first one here. Yeah, kind of a, a scary situation here um, that you don't see too often. Um, she did sustain some damage to the left rear as a result of an on-track incident, and a fire started in the left rear wheel assembly. Um, she was in the truck on pit road when it caught fire, and uh, there was a lot of smoke in the um, the driver's compartment, and she suffered smoke inhalation. So, um Obviously, an unfortunate scenario there. Um, I don't know how you prevent something like that from happening. Certainly, there's a lot of fire suppression equipment on these vehicles um, that we've seen really help in the in the case of an engine catching fire, whether it be oil, fuel, or something else that's related to that. But, you know, given that it is a vehicle uh, with moving parts and pieces, petroleum products, hot engines, hot brakes, you're, you're never going to eliminate a, the potential for a fire. Um, so you just have to hope that, you know, things like that don't happen. But uh, certainly a really scary scenario to, to be in the vehicle and, and uh, you know, suffer smoke inhalation. That could have been, you know, bad enough to send her to the hospital. It was, you know, certainly bad enough that she went to the infield care center. So, um Definitely a scary situation. Glad she's okay, and it looks like she'll be back at it this weekend at uh, at Coda. But um, certainly not something you like to see, that's for sure. Okay, um, Jay. Well, I say this one, I hadn't got to watch the, the TV coverage yet. It's still on my recorder. Listening to it on the radio, it's no different than anything else. I know Mike was saying how they didn't cover it or talk about it on TV and took it in a different direction. I'm not as concerned about that as the fact of, like you mentioned, of maybe there is an issue there that needs to be looked at from a safety aspect, which I'm okay with now. As the details come out, then the, the reports start coming out. So just because TV didn't talk about it when it happened, you know, as you're getting more information and it's coming out, that's most important because then everybody can look at it and go, okay, is there a problem with the with the structure? Is there a problem with this? Um, and go from there. Obviously, a very uh, unfortunate situation from her. And honestly, she's probably happy it didn't get a whole lot of TV coverage because that's not the kind of coverage you want to get. So, um, 
I think they did make mention on the broadcast he was in the accident and gone to the infield care center and had been released from there. They always give that report because that's what they know at that point. You know, I don't know what, what point they decided she was going to go to the hospital and that it was smoke inhalation issues. Um, but I think broadcasters bring what information they have uh, at the appropriate time. They don't want to speculate or cause a commotion about something that was nothing. So I think they do a fine job with that overall. I know we had the one missed thing with Spencer Boyd a couple weeks ago. Mike referenced that as well. And NASCAR already owned that one. Okay. They said they won't let it happen again. Let it go. Yeah. I, I kind of, Mike says that they didn't cover it on TV at all, other than the fact that she was treated and released. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I remember seeing them take that tire off and all of the fire uh, that came off with that tire uh, and everything on pit road. Um, they did mention that she did not want to speak to the media after she had been to the Interfield Care Center because of the smoke inhalation. So you knew something had happened with her uh, that caused her to really experience some some uh, issues with that. Uh, but uh, you're right. I don't think they want. I don't think she would have wanted uh, a lot of TV coverage on that. Uh, with her and, and everything that was going to go happen there. But uh, I do think that there is something that they need to look at to kind of help prevent that kind of smoke inhalation. Uh, and I don't know, not knowing exactly what caused it, uh, what the answer is going to be. Uh, but I hope somebody is looking at that to see if there is a way uh, that that could be prevented in the future for the drivers. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's uh, a scary situation, uh, not something that anyone wants to experience, I'm sure. Tommy? So from what I saw today on Twitter, and, uh, yeah, I think it was on Twitter, she actually had radioed in and said that, you know, something didn't smell right in the car and uh, – then she brought it down the pit road, and then that was actually when it caught fire, and um, that's when she suffered the the smoke when it was sitting there on fire, and they were trying to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. Glad she's okay, and that she'll be able to race uh, next week. I feel like Austin Dillon had a problem last year at um, Martinsville or something like that, so um, it does happen um, every now and then when the cars do catch on fire, so... Uh, it's unfortunate, but um, glad she's okay. And uh, when I think Andy said what it was, I didn't know what it was either. Or I didn't, I didn't know, realize that's what it was. I just know that she said that something didn't smell right and brought it in, and then it caught on fire. So, but uh, glad she's okay. Okay, we're going to let that be it for the hot topics tonight. Uh, we're not going to do the second round on that particular topic, but. Uh, we will go around the horn here to uh, do our, our roundtable sign-off. So, uh, Andy, you want to start? Uh, yeah, uh, for me, I'm on Twitter at CB14Fan. And, um, you know, as always, good to be on tonight and um, planning to be back Thursday. And uh, okay. always good to be on. So uh, looking forward to uh, later this weekend for this upcoming race weekend. 
You can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8, on Twitter and Instagram. You can see I had a great weekend over uh, northeast of Atlanta. I didn't make it to the uh, NASCAR races, but the Ultimate Street Stock Challenge Series got some great interviews in and coverage of that, so check that out. And I'm with Andy. Can't wait till Thursday night. Sharon mentioned we've got Ryan Vargas coming on. And there's still a good couple of good hot topics we didn't even have the opportunity to get to tonight. Oh, it's amazing. Tommy? Uh, Tommy underscore C24 on Twitter. Um, haven't tweeted anything in a while, but um, I will eventually. Uh, not working on anything, but I will get to work on something. But uh, thanks for having me on the show. I always enjoy being on here, and I really appreciate it. Okay. Well, I appreciate all of you guys uh, and all that you do. Uh, we always have great conversations. Uh, I am Bam for Racing Sites on Twitter and Bam for Racing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including BamforRacing.com, which, by the way, is finally back up and running. Um, and uh, hopefully we won't have to run into uh, that issue <laughs> anymore at uh, GoDaddy. So um, we had earlier tonight, we had Tanner uh, Wright on. He's with Sunrise Ford in the Arco West Series. He gave us a great interview. And Jacob Gomes, who's races with the SRL Southwest Touring Series, a one at All-American uh, Speedway, second in the series point standings there. Uh, he was on and just had a, the most adorable baby. Uh, if you want to look up uh, the picture on Facebook, she's just really cute, uh, which is why he wasn't on the show last week. They had a fun Monday, and he was at the hospital, but she was born on the 16th. Um, so uh, if you want to hear those interviews, they'll be there. Monday, um, well, first of all, Jay mentioned we've got Ryan Vargas from JD Motorsports coming on board this Thursday night. Monday night, next Monday night, we'll have Joe Graf, Joe Graf Jr. back and Dave Coley, who's the crew chief for Derek Thorne. And uh, I believe he also uh, was working with uh, our guest, Tanner Wright. So um, uh, looking forward to talking with uh, David Coley as well next Monday night uh, with Joe Graf. So uh, that's uh, a big shout-out, I guess, to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. And with that, guys, I think we're ready uh, to say good night. Have a good night, guys. Good. See you Thursday. Okay, good night, everybody.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.